Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Clear Skies, our Star Trek Adventures live play with my friends, the Streampunks, and we are back for another adventure tonight. We are without Bonnie, unfortunately, because Bonnie is doing what Bonnie always does, trying to take over the world. Um, she fled Xander's uh, place of residence and ran out to where? Like Louisiana? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Louisiana. Um, she's, she, she stole a couple of things. Um, she's currently being chased by the FBI. We're supposed to hear Safety back from her. Visiting family and friends. <laughs> yeah. There's that too. Um, so uh, we will be without our player from McCrell tonight, um, but no big deal. Uh, we will. It's not like she's the doctor. It's not like she saves people's lives. It's not like there's going to be imminent danger or anything headed to anybody this game. So um, there is that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to go ahead before we jump into more announcements, let me adjust my webcam here because I'm kind of sorry about that, Jake, if you happen to adjust me there. <laughs> um, but one of the other things I wanted to get into tonight before we jumped into tonight's game was to give you guys a heads up. I can finally pinpoint um, and tell you that we have a major announcement coming on Wednesday. It's going to be popping on social media, so stay tuned. Um, yes, it does have to do with the Klingon game, and that is all I will say. But definitely stay tuned to your social media and Clear Skies RPG uh, on Twitter on Wednesday because we got some big news that we just found out is coming down the pipe. Um, so that's very exciting stuff. Um, I don't have any other announcements for this evening. Does anybody else out there among you beautiful people that's not Xander um, have an announcement for the, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just love, you got, it's, you, you look, when you have somebody that's that cute in your gaming group, you're gonna poke fun at them sometimes. Do you guys agree with this? Yeah, so, all right, go ahead, Xander, what's up? Thank you. Uh, so we mentioned it last time and I misspoke a little bit. The D&D Live campaign is happening this weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can see it, it's all on Instagram for the, the part that I'm a part of, which is Reality RP. It's basically a reality show with NPCs from the actual D&D sourcebook. So uh, you can see all of our characters if you just search the hashtag Reality RP or hashtag D&D Live 2020. Right on. It's okay. a mystery awesome. with us. <laughs> all right. Uh, what's up, Aki? Uh, if Xander's done, I just want to make sure he's okay. All right, cool. Um, so obviously, uh, Last week on Tuesday, Sam and I joined our streams together for a really, really awesome time with Shannon Germain talking Invisible Sun. Uh, but this week, you can find us both at our regular times doing our own separate streams. Mine will be at 9.30 a.m. Uh, we'll be doing Aki Talk to some tea as usual. Uh, but on top of that, some of you might have noticed a certain other GM of ours, Stephen J. Pope, hinting at the return of New Pantheon. So if you're excited for season three of New Pantheon, keep your eyes on Saving Throws Show's Twitter for more announcements about that. Um, and I think that's all I have to announce. I think so. Hey, Rave. Oh my, hold on. Hold on. Rave has an announcement, y'all. I mean, and we have our first piece of fan fiction on AO3. I think that's <laughs> the first announcement. Yeah. That's a pretty damn good announcement. Wait, I, what? Yeah. I know it took so much longer than the other ones. Hmm. I, I have to say, I found out today that the role-playing messages on the League of Whimsy Discord have reached 33,000 messages. Uh, that, that is how much role-play that has been taken. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I do want to interject, sorry, really, really quickly to say, there is one other really huge announcement coming down the pipeline very, very soon that we all are really excited to share with you, so keep your eyes out for that as well. Um, 
And on that note, um, I, I will say that uh, as of this morning, and I'm just I'm putting it here in front of our show, Clear Skies, because this is where we have our biggest audience. People are catching up on what the stream punks are doing, and I'm going to hold Sam Delev accountable. Sam said this morning on my live stream that they're going to co-stream BattleTech with me, and I want the world to know that they said that. So we're we're going to play BattleTech. We're gonna we're gonna go on some missions and blow some blow some shit up. So um, I'm just I'm I'm letting it I'm writing it in stone. So it's been said. Um, that was my last. My last uh, dopey announcement. Would, uh, does anybody else have anything to add before we start tonight's game? Uh, yes, Sam. Um, yes, I I will accede to that. Uh, doing anything Friday morning, buddy? What's that? Doing anything Friday morning? Friday morning? Mm, playing Battletech, I think. There you are. Good answer. Yeah, I'm right excited. on. Yes, very good. All right, with that, let's jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. I just want to point out that in the last episode of Clear Skies, we were doing some serious references from WWE, and I still am hoping to see someone do a Stone Cold Stunner on the Vorta because I think we all want to see <laughs> we all want to see what Olin looks like when they smash two beers together on the tightrope and just start guzzling after kicking uh, the Vorta in the balls. I mean, we just nobody want to see it. <laughs> is hitting the Vorta without missing. <laughs> all right. Hmm. I'm actually going to do something a little different tonight uh, because we've got so much to go over and so much has happened. We're actually going to skip through most of the recap. Um, we're going to jump right into where we left off. Of course, we are in the middle of a mission at a planet uh, in the Yukavar system. The USS Ross is at Yukani. This is a fabled pirate haven that was home to the Orion Crime Syndicate and was a hotbed of activities, particularly during the Dominion War. Um, this has been a system that the Federation, indeed a lot of planetary governments, have been looking to find for ages now. But whatever you might think when you look at those big, beautiful space maps with all those wonderful shaded territories, space is freaking huge. And no matter how many lines you draw on it or how much you highlight and color in, even within your own territory, the hundreds of millions of star systems out there are wonderful hiding spots for all sorts of things. 
In this case, the Orion Crime Syndicate doing what they do best, hiding in plain sight. This um, system is just on the border of Federation Klingon territory. It's in a sweet spot where they can kind of get away with all of their illicit activities, or it could, before the syndicate was basically shattered, and now is in the middle of a warring faction. We are deep within the guts of this planet right now. Right now, Commander Exio, who has undertaken a bit of a clandestine mission, as it were, has decided to go solo and infiltrate this pirate haven. This pirate haven, of course, being run by one Orion in particular, a man who calls himself Taraz and his lieutenants. Um, Taraz seems to have hinted that he knew about the location of the Changeling, and we start tonight's episode off with the introduction of the Changeling, Lee. Exio, you are still standing here surrounded in this underground cavern with the echoing sounds of water cascading off of a slimy cave wall, surrounded by Orion children. This place looks like a, like sort of like a, a like a dark post-apocalyptic haven for uh, refugees, essentially. Um, judging by the clothes and the technology that you see around here, this place is not in shambles. It looks like a lot of the tech that is being brought down here and the sustaining this place is actually quite efficient and quite advanced. This is not uh, this is not hodgepodge. They are not living on the edge of squalor. This is a fully functional uh, haven from the looks of it. Um, right now, the changeling, who has taken to calling themselves Lee is in the form, a very picture-perfect form, of a very tall Orion woman, dressed in dark, heavy leathers with brass-capped shoulder plates and cascades of dark green hair falling down her back. Um, she is only just moments ago said something that has left Commander Xeo.exe stop functioning. <laughs> Realizing who you were upon the re revealing yourself, Xeo, Lee seemed rather taken aback, a little surprised, which wasn't surprising to see considering your sudden shift, but then uttered the words, wow, I wondered if I was ever going to meet Redgrave's creation. And that is right where we're going to pick up from last week's episode. Um, the silence between the two of you is only filled by the cascading of the water from behind her about 10 meters away. And Taraz, looking at her kind of curious, it, would you get the impression from glancing at Taraz that he doesn't know what she's talking about, but she he glances over at you and waits for an explanation. Well, I'm going to be blunt. I was definitely not expecting to hear those words come from your mouth. You see a small smile on her face begin to form. And she nods slowly. It's not patronizing. It's understanding. And she looks you up and down from your feet to your head and says, the same. what's that? I am doing the same. Okay. So the two, the two shapeshifters are checking each other out right now, eyeing each other up and down. When her eyes come, her, these pale green eyes come to rest on you again, Exio, she says, are you wearing the ring right now?
You hold up your gloved hand. Are you going to reveal it or? Because remember, you had it covered with I the did, hologram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although I had it, no, uh, I had it covered when I was in disguise. Mm -hmm. Oh, when that's I right. It's not covered. Myself, I would have. That's right. You revealed to, yourself to, to full um, me as as I like to present. So. Okay, as you hold it up, she looks at it and shakes her head and says, Remarkable technology. And then turns to Taraz and says, Taraz, you've been speaking to a living program this whole time. And Taraz just smirks a little bit and looks over at you and says, Well, that's going to make Sprack feel like he's not going insane, if nothing else. Probably help Guz as well. That's a good point. <laughs> Next you time see he decides Lee, to say I'm not alive. Please correct him. Lee folds her arms and says, I will. Thank you. May I ask how you know? Who yes, I I'm sure you have a lot of questions. Why don't you come sit down and we can begin? Yes. Therese, can you do me a favor? And he says, I'm on it. And he turns on his heel and leaves the room. Um, you see a lot of the children start following after him and he starts waving. He's like, this way, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You hear the faint, the faint overtones of the native Orion language spoken by children as they, he starts speaking back to them and they lead, he basically leads these 12 kids out of the room. A few of them looking curiously back at you, especially because watching you suddenly shift like that, they're under the impression you might be another thing like uh, Lee. But one by one, these children filter out of the room. And Lee moves over to this waterfall where the pool has, it's about waist height to her. She moves over to it and leans up against it and says, before we begin, I'd like to know why it is you're here. Well, I will preface this information with a timeline, um, or a time limit, rather. I have many questions that I'm sure we do not have time to answer, but I am here because Starfleet was sent to return you. To return me? Yes. Return me to the Dominion? That is correct. Starfleet was sent. Starfleet, Starfleet was sent to bring a liaison of sorts to escort you home. A Vorta and two Jem'Hadar are on a starship just outside. There's a Vorta and two Jem'Hadar here now? That is unfortunately correct. <sighs> they have have information intel from six years ago of you, a changeling, being present on this station. We thought it was a long shot at best. And yet here you are, and we do not understand why. Not why you are here, but why they are. They being the Vorta and the two Jem'Hadar. 
Correct. Hmm. And you've been tasked to return me to the Dominion. Correct. Do you know a Vorta named Nodrin? Yes. Can I read what that just surface level? I don't really I don't need a deep deep but recognition. What was that face? Okay. She clearly knows who you're talking with about. What emotion? Um resignation, anger, resignation sadness. and mild irritation. Right. I assume um, that might be your face after all the information I have learned from Taras. They sent Nodrin here with two Jem'Hadar to return me to the Dominion. Things certainly have changed. I'm curious. What happens if I refuse to go? I don't actually know, but as far as I am concerned... You have every right to refuse. This was not a kidnapping mission. You should be aware. Before you implement your famous Starfleet compassion upon me, that during the Dominion War I did commit acts on behalf of the Dominion that would be considered war crime. I'm very well aware of that. But as I say again, my mission was not to kidnap. We have delivered the Vorta. You have every right to do as you wish. Hmm. That is not to say that they will not try to stop you. But as far as I'm concerned, my mission is not to assert force upon you. But I would like to know what's going on. So would I. What would you like to know from me? Your first question being, how do I know about Dr. Redgrave and yes. you? Yes. I only ask because you are such a perfect adaptation of a living being I have to ask, would you like to sit down to hear this? I sit, but I will give her the information that slight irritation went across my face at hearing um, adaptation of life. Mm -hmm. And and that I'm sure I've heard that several times from people who claimed to care about the creation of me. Mm -hmm. And so that didn't feel, didn't feel menacing to hear that. It just felt a little ignorant. Mm -hmm. And so I said, down. Okay. She studies you for a moment. There are many aspects of your technology that Starfleet had not achieved yet. Exio, you were another 10 years of development, at least, particularly because of that. And she points at the ring and says, 
portable emitters are still new technology even after Voyager's return. Yes. So there needed to be fixes. There were answers that were required that Starfleet didn't have quite yet. Do you think you provided Dominion technology to create this? I think what you and I are going to discover in the course of our discussion here, based off of my experience with the Federation in a post-war galaxy, is that the Federation and the Dominion have been talking a lot more with each other than they're willing to let on to the rest of the galaxy. And this shouldn't come as any surprise, really. No. We'll just say that there were opportunities the Dominion could provide that would allow the gaps in the technology that Andrea Redgrave needed in order to create the XEO program. I don't know specifically so what that was. So you've never met? We have met, in fact. If you'll recall, before our governments entered into a conflict officially, my people infiltrated Starfleet Command long before you ever became aware of us. That whole incident in San Francisco. Andrea Redgrave was already deep into research creating your program. And she happened to have a very brilliant young scientist helping her. And you're talking to that scientist right now. Once the war ended, I can only guess as to what happened next, but my suspicion is, is the Dominion didn't see any reason to stop an information technology exchange. Was this something the rest of your government was aware of? I have no idea. How long were you there? About a year, roughly. Not enough to imprint myself upon your programming in any way, but enough to learn about hollow technology that the Federation was developing at the time. This is, of course, before Voyager returned, and that changed everything from what I understand. Why did you leave? I was reassigned. By whom? My superiors. At least that's what you would call them. My siblings. So why don't you want to go back? Why does Taraz think your option would be to flee? Because 
out here on the edge of space away from the eyes of Klingons and Federation surrounded by these people I found a new purpose my people were wrong for starting the Dominion War Commander it was an atrocity should never have happened and the Great Link for all of its beauty and splendor is also a wretched cycle of fear the safety that we create for ourselves in the link is a feedback loop of distrust that we have towards solids throughout the galaxy my people honestly believe or at least did that by conquering the quadrants they would be rescuing solids from their abysmal existence and securing the future of the founders race solids cannot be trusted my people believe that solids are inherently violent overly emotional prone to horrendous acts of destruction and the suffering that they visit upon each other is astonishing and in that in that point of view they lost sight of their own sins out here away from the great link away from the thoughts of my others I've been able to see things in a different way how we've treated the Vorta and the sins we visited upon that race the Jim Hadar they're all tragedies commander they go beyond enslavement they are genetically created to serve they are not given will of their own their bodies to implement the will of the founders there is no crime that can equal such a horrible thing we have in our fear become the least version of ourselves possible and out here I feed children I keep the peace between two warring factions and nobody cares that I'm a changeling the Dominion war couldn't reach me out here not after Starfleet managed to cleverly find a lot of the things that I was leaving behind for them to find though admittedly I wasn't prepared for how close they got I have no intention of returning anytime soon, Commander. And if the Vorta is a problem, please introduce us. I would have no problem doing such a thing. They wish to meet you and rescue you. Rescue me. You are modeled 
after Andrea Redgrave's daughter. She took a lot of the images of her daughter and implemented them into your program. Dr. Redgraves doesn't have family. She did. It's a lie. I have no reason to lie to you. I'm checking that. Three successes. Uh, Three successes. I mean, that's... You're not seeing anything in the files that indicate that she had a child. No, I'm checking her. Is she lying to me? Oh, oh, I see. Um, I know how no, I, I've read she's... my files over and over and over again. I understand myself. Is she lying? She doesn't appear to be lying. She seems to be quite sincere. She's raised, raised eyebrows, everything. She's leaning in. She's not looking off to the side. She's making eye contact. She's not lying that you can read anyway. You are talking to a changeling. I couldn't read the Vorta either. Why wouldn't she tell me something like that? I think the memory of her daughter is quite painful. I don't know. I never got that close. Is this her face? I think it would have been, yes. I chose this face. I did. I stand up. Exio, what you are experiencing is what all a solids experience. That isn't fair. This is... This is my face. Of course it's your face. She stands up. Does it trouble you to think that you might have a parent? I'm not a replication. I am me. I am unique. I am myself. I am not a memory. We don't have time. This station is very dangerous and it's about to come crashing down. That's why I can't leave. Would you let me contact my captain? If you can get a message through. I can. And I'm trusting you not to reveal the location of this haven. To your captain, I will expect it, but only to people who you feel are necessary to know. Do you consent to meeting of the Vorta? I'm looking forward to it. The Vorta has answers. I'm certain of it. And he will give them to me. Would you please excuse me? After you. You step out of the cave? Where are you headed? Um, I step out of the haven. Uh, 
Um, okay, you enter into the, the corridor. You do see that there are some openings on the sides of this corridor to separate rooms, but it's only a few steps past these doors that kind of, because this corridor ends in what looks like a lattice work of cave structures on the inside. So stepping past these initial like branching corridors, you find yourself alone in a dark hallway, only lit by these bars of illumination up in the top right corners of this rocky surface. Now, remember, this place is heavily laced with Kelvinite, so transporters are not going to work. Communications, sketchy. You might be able to get through something. Taraz would probably know for sure. Um, I go find Taraz. It's not hard to find him. You can actually hear a bunch of giggling children, and as you enter into one of the rooms, you see Taraz has his long coat off, so he's just bare chest in it but he's got his long coat hanging up like he's holding it up and you see him like flapping it like a matador might on earth and he looks like he's trying to intimidate guz who has managed to make his way down here now and guz is staring at him just going no and the children are all giggling as he sees you enter and he just goes oh hold on a sec and he drops it uh, to the ground, and one of the kids runs over and starts picking it up and putting it on. He steps around these children and moves over to you as you hear them talking behind him. And he walks up to you and says, You look pissed. Did she say something you don't want to hear? I need to find a terminal so I can contact my captain. I can get you one of those. This way. Thank you. As he moves down one of these branching corridors, you're getting an idea, Exio, that this place, um, the maze work of this place is just as much of a defensive uh, structure point than, than any weapon placement. Um, you, of course, are able to just like left, right, left. You're just like mapping this out as you go. Um, your program being able to completely understand exactly where you are and where you've been. But you could see how any biological entity walking through here might get a little confused just from the all the corners and turns you've walked past you enter into a small uh room it's about maybe 10 by 10 feet square carved this place is looks pretty old you can see carvings on the wall so it looks like this might be an ancient room of some kind that's been adapted but in the corner you do see what looks like a computer terminal that is built into the wall um judging from the looks of it it's probably klingon in origin just another one of the amalgam pieces of technology that this place has acquired. And as you move over and look at this sort of red, yellowish, orange, pinkish um, overlay, you can confirm that it is in fact Klingon in origin. It's been updated and refined so it can accommodate everybody who's using it. Um, he points at it and says, I know you probably know your way around this thing. Thank you. Would you mind if I have the room alone? I don't like that, but yeah, I'll give you the room alone. Thank you. I know it doesn't mean much, but I have no intention of betraying you. You know, Exio, I gotta be honest. I really appreciate what you did back there, just taking the mask off like that. Something I would have done. It was gutsy. I mean, I like it. I mean, to be fair, you really didn't give me choice. No, I guess not. But still, if you are, you know, a hologram, I am. you could have made life very difficult for us. 
I'm going to decide to trust you, despite all of this. Good. Because I did not become a Starfleet officer to make people's life more difficult. You see... It starts to register on his face how upset you are. Finally. And he just goes... I'm going to give you the room. And you see his silhouette vanish from around the corner as you are now alone. There's no door to this place. I know that he can't see me anymore. So I sort of turn my own volume off, okay. as it were, and you just see me scream. You don't hear it, but you see it. And then she collects herself. Touches her pip. The one she made for herself. Straightens. And then you hear an audible. And she goes to the terminal. Up on the bridge of the USS Ross. Um, we are starting to approach the end of Alpha Shift. So Beta Shift has begun to arrive on the bridge at this point. So Lieutenant Talon, Lieutenant Kari, Lieutenant Avik, they're all starting to filter onto the bridge, walking down from the turbo lift. Uh, Lieutenant Zisk comes stepping out. Um, everyone kind of pauses when they see a lot of the senior staff is still gathering on the bridge. And at about that point, you see Prawl, who's resumed his station at Tactical, uh, says, Captain, I'm getting a, a message coming through. It's very faint. I think it's from Commander Exio. Put it through. Now. Look at, boost the signal if you can. Yeah, um, right when it appears on screen, you do see static, angled static kind of coursing across the screen, but you do see a visual of Exio appear on the screen in what looks like a darkened cave-like environment. But you see, you can hear her saying, Captain, can you read me? Like, it's... Um, go ahead, and if you want to make... This is going to be a comms check. This is actually... You can get help from the Ross on this. Woo! So, um, so then this is actually going to be... I'm going to say this is going to be a control... Maybe a control con check. Still and the Ross can roll comms plus uh, security. Um, can I use my focus and sensors for this? No, really, no. That's fine. Um, Difficulty is one. Difficulty is one? Doesn't matter, got two. Okay, Okay. so gain gain some momentum. Yeah. What is that? Right? I'm sorry? We're starting at zero, so we're at two momentum. No help from Ross for this one. Okay, cool. Uh, we should be at one because it was a difficult one because you got yeah. two successes and the difficulty gotcha. was one so one momentum everybody um so you see it does clear up and you see exio's face um i'll leave it to you whether or not captain Sol can tell something is wrong looking onto the face of her first officer their first officer um i've collected myself to a to a certain degree 
I okay. would say you don't necessarily see how much hurt. You would see extreme sternness. You know, when 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 you're when you supplement pain with anger. Um so you see very stoic. Um a very stoic XDO. Spidey sense, but not yet the cause Correct. thereof. Yep. Yeah. You would uh, not which, be able to infer a personal issue, but... Right, right certainly not under these circumstances. Yeah. It's just enough for uh, a captain who might have been uh, slightly prickly to be even prickly for the back <laughs> of their neck. Commander. There's a lot to say, and I don't know how good this connection will be. Um, I hope you are right. I heard about two raiders. They were sent to attack you. I hope that that went okay. Our brig is full and overflowing into the hangar bay. Wonderful. They were both sent by Canal. I look to Prawl. Just like Prawl, on look, it. Prawl looks really irritated. Mm. <laughs> you can see you can see the flexing in the jaw. <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, I mean, the, the thing is, is being <laughs> the thing is, is being Trill. Those spots easy to spot moving when he's clenching that jaw. <laughs> um, but Prawl looks quite annoyed by that. And on the second point, um, contact has been made with the Changeling. Their name is Lee. And they have strong feelings about meeting with the Vorta and every intention of not returning to the Dominion, Captain. I say this with emotion that I do not believe that they believe in what the Dominion stand for. And Taraz and his family are willing to protect Lee at every possible opportunity that they can. But Lee was willing to meet with the Vorta. I cannot guarantee that their intention is not to hurt them, but I can say the same for Nodrin. Understood. What is your professional recommendation? You're the one on the ground. They did say they wanted to meet them. All right. Where is the most safe possible way for us to do that, Captain? We need to exfiltrate you anyway. And anyone would be... We can defend the Ross more effectively than some location we don't know. We'll get you back and Lee. And go from there. I know they want to meet them, but what is Star Trek's, or what is um, Starfleet's uh, stance for our mission if they flee? That is between the ambassador Asmi Shanto and myself in an interminable legal meeting. Glad to hear it. Asmi, who is flanking on the other side of the bridge right now, swivels in her chair and looks across the bridge at you, Captain. And you, you see this look on her face like, 
Okay, I got. I got. I got to start researching. <laughs> like <laughs> this look on her face of like, right? Okay, yeah, that's got to be a thing now. Um, she turns back to her computer, and immediately you see a display pop up as she starts digging through person like rendition of, policies in particular. Yes, anything uh, extraditional basis of any extant uh, considerations of appointing local authority or recognizing local authority in single star systems outside the Federation in particular. There's also the fact that um, Asmi pipes up at this point and swivels back and says, Captain, there's one thing that we should look at is the fact that because this founder has been missing since the Dominion War, they're technically a deserter if they have decided to officially stay and are not in line with government's agenda. It's Interstellar... not clear what the Dominion considers them and their legal status. That could well be pardoned among the founders. But well, please cover all bases. I'll do what I can. And she turns back to her computer console. Good. You have 20 minutes, I'm afraid. Um, just a quick question. Did uh, Olin's parents ever get back to them? Well, it's only been about maybe six hours since that request got put in. Okay. So you haven't. So if you remember, uh, you were going to reach out to them, but instead you reached out to the Klingon ambassador. Oh no, I, I did send a message to them. Okay, so it's been about six hours. Um, it's probably going to take a little longer than that. Okay. Yeah, because your your parents are currently, if I remember correctly, they're on. Are they on Delta? They're ambassadors. I don't know where they are right now. They, they are where they are. Okay. They are where they are then. Yeah, it's not six hours. It's only been about six hours or so since you last contacted them. So no reply yet. All right. Any information have... for me? Well, we've taken care of those raiders. We're going to have to put together exfiltration for you an adequate squad Manderprawl we are not skimping this time we are not showing off in any way pop two and our priority right now is to get you out and get more details on what's going on oh oh you'll love what Madron did while you were away I can probably most assuredly say that I will not you can just see uh, Olin standing near the turbo lift with a look, like a very dispassionate look on their face. <laughs> Guaranteed, I will not. Alas, this was less hollow humor and more hollow humor. <laughs> we'll have you, see, you back. You see a smile for the first time. I do it. I can. Can we get a location on you for Exfil? Yes. Um, Taraz! I just shout down the hall, because I know he's still there. I didn't mind if he listened, I just really didn't want him seeing me. Um, the time it takes to pass would either suggest that he's good at bluffing or he wasn't standing nearby. But a few moments do pass before he enters the room again. He's just putting his arm through the jacket as he steps in and goes, Done? We need an 
a secure location for me to return back to the ship. All right. We could use him too, now I think of it, if he's willing. Oh, is that Captain Sol? You see Taraz step into frame right next to Exio and goes, oh. Mm. Taraz, you look. Taraz. Oh, I know. So, what's the plan here? We're going to have a party on my ship, and only the VIPs are invited. You, my commander, Lee. You can have one of us. Lee or me, but you're going to have to pick. Oh. Forgive me, Taras, but that's an easy choice. I'm being presumptuous. I have to find out if Lee's willing to go. They're not that willing to leave behind their flock, as it were. This is a meeting. And without any offense, it's only up here because it's where I know and what I can defend. But that presents a bit of a problem, Captain. Because we're on the edge of a war right now, and leaving the stronghold with a bunch of innocent people behind doesn't appeal to me or Lee. Again, it's a meeting, and I made the oaths I made. What happened last time you came down to the planet and headed back to your ship, by the way? Did I hear you got shot at? Oh, you should have seen the other guy. I only bring it up because you make it sound like going to a meeting is no big deal. (laughs) Well... If you can't handle it, I suppose. I'm not afraid, Captain, but if I get killed, who's going to protect the people that I'm down here protecting? I take responsibility. Really? Do you have the authority to make that promise, Captain? On behalf of Starfleet? Well, that does sound like a me problem, doesn't it? Besides... You wouldn't care. It's only pertinent if you're dead. He scratches his face a little bit, and he turns to look at you at Exio and goes, you know, this whole thing that's going on right now, it's only charming for so long. And he takes a few steps back and then pivots on his foot and exits the room again. Silhouette once again. Once again, vanishing behind the, around the corner. <laughs> Do I have any... I, I've been exploring this ship now, uh, th- this um, location for a couple hours now. Um, is, is it my best professional um, uh, thinking that a shuttle is the only way in and out, or are there any locations where a site-to-site is possible? Shuttle's the only way in and out, but what you kind of get the idea, Exio, is that this place probably has a getaway. There's no way, there's no way that everyone is cornered down here. There's probably a secret way to get in and out using a shuttle. Yeah, and it's yeah. probably giving, and, and, and just so you know, that that's probably why Taraz is giving you a little bit of a hard time about this. 
because using that sort of playing that card, he's a little nervous about it. So. Okay. Well. I suppose I should go find out what is happening. Yes, get us the coordinates we need as well as we can. We have a few different missions to plan, not the first retrieving yet. Okay. Glad you're doing all right. See you in a moment, Captain. See you soon, Commander. It's all out. All right. I go find Therese. I don't know where he tantrumed off to. Yeah, you basically find yourself back in the main area where he is talking to Lee. Um, I wait Lee's... out of, not out of earshot, but out of a respectful distance to let them have their conversation, but make my presence known. They see you, and you see her. She leans over the size of Therese's shoulder and just does this as she spots you. Um, Therese looks back at you and says, so anyway... They're, well, they're being feds about it. And Lee smirks and says, you have to understand their position, Therese. And Therese looks annoyed and says, I got to be honest with you, Lee. I don't really care about their position. All that matters to me is everyone that's down here and what the hell we're going to do about Knoll. That hasn't been addressed yet. I believe we are going to be taking him down. They both slowly turn and look at you, and Traz goes, the fuck did you just say? Lee stands up and she says, Commander, are you suggesting that the Federation is willing to help us remove Knoll? I am telling you that the Federation is fully prepared to get rid of pirates. Taraz goes, well, that makes me a little uncomfortable. Even though I'm a smuggler, they don't really make that distinction. But at that point, Lee says, but they might this time. My captain is a good person. They know when the real target is. What do you think? Taraz said, <sighs> I mean, I already told the lady I was gonna trust her. I'm kind of screwed. Are you referring to my captain? I'm pretty sure your captain's not a lady. Are you talking about me? You. I th I'm sorry, I thought you made the deal without my captain already. No. Would help I told us. you before I left the communications room, I was going to trust you, Exio. I'm going to do that. Oh. So if you're telling us that you want to get this meeting going. As far as I remember, Taraz, you promised to introduce us to the changeling, Lee, and we would help you remove Kanal. This is an agreement that has already been confirmed. And I know my captain is true to their word. And they are quite efficient at it. 
I'm sure you know the reputation. I'm aware of it. You hear Lee say. I've never had one person get so close to rooting me out and exposing me to an entire organization. Not bad for a solid. And she glances back up at Lee, and Lee just says, if you go up there, she said, Lee shakes his head and says, it'll be fine. Don't do anything stupid, at least until I get back. And she stands up and says, all right, Commander. I consider myself a guest of your starship and your captain that you trust so much. I'll give you the location of our entrance into this caving complex, but I should warn you that we are being watched right now, and it is possible that Canole will spot this. Yes, according to my timeline, it's incredibly possible that he knows already, but it is our only option, unless you intend to fight right now. No, we're not ready to fight right now. Then there is only one way. She's annoying. Mind your manners, Taraz. Go see to the rest. Taraz just steps away and pauses as he's about to walk past you, Exio, and says, you're annoying, but I'm grateful you're here. No offense taken from your mouth. It's sort of a compliment. It means I'm doing my job. Yeah. And he once again, moves off into one of the other rooms where he starts trying to round up people. Um, Lee says, all right, arrange this. Okay, I do. Okay. Um, what is taking place up on the UA? I want to know what, um, I want to know what tech and I want to know what our science officer is currently doing while all of this is taking place. Because remember, the duty shifts are now coming to an end. So technically, beta shift is now stepping onto the bridge, taking over. Vryn slides out of, this, of the helm seat um, they're technically going to be on standby and unless somebody says anything but um, yeah Fawn so, Roselle slides into the seat and gives uh, gives Vryn a look Vryn approaches you Captain and just says Captain uh, real quick if you don't mind uh, I just want to request the next time and this I just want to make this clear that this is in no way in no way a, a criticism of, of anybody's, what they do, but- Yes, you, you know. get to fly the shuttle next time. Thank you, Captain, I appreciate that. I just, and it's, I, I wanna make this clear. And he turns to the science station and just says, for the same reason, I would move my ass out of my chair if you asked me to science at that station. That's that's all this is. I. That, that's all this is. I just wanna make sure. I told good. you it was not my fault that we got shot. No, anyway. you, you did great. <laughs> You did great, but now that we know there's shooting happening, I'm just anyway. And my I point's had made. my best pilot at helm, who did invaluable work in shutting that whole thing down. You were exactly where I needed you, and you did a beautiful job, Captain. I'm getting the coordinates right now from Commander Exio. The cave, the cave complex looks like it starts about 16 kilometers away from her current location. It looks like some kind of underground tunnel complex. The Kelvinite down there will make it impossible 
for transporters to work, as we suspected. Sensors will be touch and go. And if, given that every ship in this system is looking right at us as, frankly, well, they should, any ship we bring will immediately draw attention to that location, so I will need tactical plans for that expel, probably including some kind of a diversion. I just almost involuntarily cut my eyes to Bren. Bren says... the word diversion. Diversion, yes. Um, you, you, want me to, you want me to make a diversion, Captain? I want the two of you to make a plan together for Xfil, for Exio, and our guest as soon as possible. We also need to start moving on the plan to take care of Canal. so a lot of tactics ahead of you, Commander, I'm afraid. Miles to go and all that. And okay. in the meantime, how's that research coming, Yonan? She swivels in the chair and looks at the bridge and says, Captain, the Starfleet files on the command structure of the Great Link are... They're a mess. And she looks back and says, there's actually nothing here. There's nothing here to indicate that the Dominion even recognizes Federation law. It would seem that there's really no... Captain, I think, in my professional opinion, we can make this up as we go. I'm most concerned about Federation law and unclaimed space. I need to know when our orders might be considered unlawful, under what circumstances and what kind of leeway, if you'll forgive the circumstantial pun, we have to work within them. In all honesty, Captain, the fact that we've uncovered a pirate haven gives us a broad range of options and a lot of places to hide from legality. We can implement interstellar law out here if we so choose, particularly if we've uncovered any evidence of violation of interstellar law. And Captain, just to be perfectly clear, firing upon a Federation starship is a violation. Oh, it very much is, and I plan on taking full advantage of the liberties thereby granted us. Yes, we're going to have to move on a lot of things very quickly. So, as soon as we have that Exfil team together and whatever manner of diversion we can get so that we can get our commander back out of there as soon as possible. There's a chirping sound at the helm and Prawl looks down and says, Captain, I'm receiving a priority message from Ambassador Marginil and glances over at the ambassador. I trust you're not texting yourself, Ambassador. Would that be your family? Um, I cannot be sure. I wasn't expecting them to get back to me for at least a few more hours, but then again, I... Never quite know where they are, and I also probably need to double back on... Anyways, there were a couple of things that I had set up, and I'm not entirely sure what this is. Do you mind if I take it in your ready room? Yes, of course. I'll transfer it to you immediately, Ambassador. Thank you. You step into the ready room. Doors close behind you. 
and swivel the desk computer around to face you. You see the priority message, the Starfleet, uh, basically the Starfleet Diplomatic Corps symbol on the screen. Incoming transmission. Computer play transmission. Um, you see your father's face appear on the screen in all of his handsomeness. He is wearing the full refineries of the Delton ambassadorial uh, staff at Starfleet Command. Um, you see immediately on his face, underneath sort of like the beard that has begun to grow white across the sides of his face, and um, which is sort of a new feature. <laughs> um, you see yeah, that he- Delton's can grow beards? Huh? Delton's can grow beards? I don't know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> As a GM, I, I've noticed that Spock can grow a beard. <laughs> so on the, fair, I know that you're a universe Spock. <laughs> the belt of Delton kind. And he is half human. <laughs> um, oh. But you see, um, he he's looking at you for a moment and it almost seems like it's real timed as he's looking out at the screen with a bit of a worried look on his face and says, uh, I've got your transmission, my child. It's good to hear from you. And I hope your journeys have kept you safe thus far on the USS Ross. I only wish it hadn't taken you so long to reach out to me, but I know you are fiercely independent and I appreciate that you don't want to lean upon the influences of your family. Having said that, your inquiries about this ambassador that you have aboard your vessel. Olin, in all my time working with the diplomatic corps, I have never been shut down so quickly. I was stonewalled at every turn, which of course led me to try harder to try to uncover the nature of the secrecy, which I am comfortable saying to you, there is an air of secrecy here. I'm not entirely sure how much of this feels right, Olin. If there's anything else I can do for you, let me know. I won't stop searching, but at the moment, I'm afraid that's all I have for you. Please stay safe out there. And it cuts out. Computer, um, please begin a response message. Papa, thank you so much for contacting me and getting back to me. That is a little bit unsurprising, to say the least. Be careful. Don't push harder than you need to. I don't want this coming down on you when it should come down on me. I will reach out to you again soon. I apologize for not doing so sooner. Jane says hello, but she probably got to you before I did. In any case, give my love to Mama, and I will contact you again soon. Again, please be careful. I love you. Computer and message and send. 
The computer chirps uh, confirmation. Also, I did a quick look up. It is true that Deltons do not grow any hair except for on their eyebrows. <laughs> um, so, um, computer sends the message away. And you see the obviously on a secure channel. Oh yes, I mean that's why that's why Prawl was reporting it to you because it was coming through the tactical station, so it was all secure. Ambassador, ambassador communications are pretty much always secure. And Olin, Olin kind of you know smiles to himself. He looks really good. <laughs> he always did. And then they kind of head back out onto the bridge. Out of curiosity, I'd like to know what Chief Tech has been doing. Yeah, so Tech, uh, after being relieved from Alpha Shift, has gone back to work on a Tachyon net uh, that he's been okay. developing uh, specifically for um, cloaked ships, the cloaked ships that we've been running into. Uh, and I think that was the best course of action that we determined last time. So mm -hmm. that's what he's been working on. And you can tell that he's been burning the candle at all four ends. <laughs> okay. He's, yeah, uh, Tech is a bit overworked from both the paranoia from the Dominion and developing those things, and he just hasn't had a break. So uh, okay. he's in his lab in the holodeck uh, working on the Tachyon net. Okay. Um, at that point, the doors of the holodeck open, and stepping into the holodeck is Lieutenant... Vren. <laughs> um, as he enters, he looks around and just goes, uh, Chief, when was the last time you left this thing? Oh, oh, ain't, ah, uh, hey, hi, how are you? What time is it? Where are we? It's the end of Alpha Shift. Oh, I know, I know. Sorry, I'm just into this research real quick. Um, can I help you? Captain's ordered me to... We're, oh man, there's so much to go over. Let me explain. No, there's too much. Let me sum up. Okay. Captain Great. wants me to basically create some kind of diversion. We're going to be flying down. We're going to be rescuing Commander Exio and bringing a changeling back up on board the ship. And we're going to be doing wow. this in a way that we need to be able to do it so that um, we don't get shot and people don't see where we're coming and going. So how can mm -hmm. we do that? Aside from spectacular flying. Well, it sounds like you're talking about cloaking the ship there, bud. Okay, but since we can't do that, mm -hmm. what else could we do? Okay, so if we don't want uh, someone looking at us, then we got to make them look somewhere else, don't we? So have the Ross do something? Maybe. That's a good plan. Hey. Oh, no, 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 no. I just got a oh, great idea. So close. Oh. I just got an idea. Yeah? So, Go on. you know how we were kind of like, uh, about about Prawl's tachyon thing? Mm-hmm. That would be a hell of a thing to do. You think? Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to get right to work on that, and I will get it done just as soon as boleanly possible, huh? So I think it might be best for me to get back to work, don't you think, buddy? I mean, yeah. Cool. Great. Thank you. Glad we had this chat. You okay? No. 
No, I'm not. Chief, what's going on? I've got to finish this tachyon net. Otherwise, I've got to finish it. It's just that I've, I've worked with deflector dishes all my life, so I know a deflection when I see one, Chief. This is a lot for me, okay? And I know that you've been through a lot, too. It's, it's no different. Okay. Everybody I, I, is going through this. I'm not, I'm not trying to push you. I, I just want to make sure you're okay. If, if you really want to be left alone, I'll leave you alone. But I'm worried about you, Chief. We blue people got to stick together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I appreciate what you're trying to do. But I am the chief engineer of this vessel, and I need to accomplish these tasks, and I just to stay on course, okay? And I need you to fly yours, like I know that you can. Because the only way that I will feel better is when this is all resolved. Okay, well, good luck with that. Um, I'll talk to you later. Wait, I... Thank you, Bren. Don't thank me. I'm going to tell the counselor and the captain everything that's happening right now. I'm just going to lay it out there. If yeah, I can't I, talk sense into you, we'll let authority do it. Sound good? Can we can we wait until after we get everybody back on the ship? Thing is, Chief, is you are the chief engineer, and if you're working yourself to near death, that's going to be a problem for everybody on board the ship, including our chief engineer. So I'm not okay with this. And frankly, Chief, yeah, I'm rattled by who's on board too. And I've seen what it does to people. And I'm worried about you. Now, if you want to keep working, then okay. But I might be able to help. Might take some of the load off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry I was so hard on you. No, that's okay. It's, I mean, look, once you, once you, once you drink a rotten, disgusting egg, Cardassian thing, well, that kind of shit just rolls off you. Okay, well, all right. Listen, we've got to make sure that this tachyon net works, okay? And we've got to okay. make sure that it does what it says it does, because that's the only way that we're going to create a satisfactory distraction. Otherwise, it's yeah. just going to look like fireworks, and it's not something to keep the tactical mind off of the shuttle that's going to be flying into. You're right. Okay. Not only that, if we're able to expose any cloaked ships that are nearby, it might create an even larger distraction and beneficial. Yeah. So if perhaps we could maybe increase the scanning range or use the deflector dish to see if we can find any more of these patterns that we've established in the past, we may be able to find somewhere to aim this tachyon net to create the biggest possible diversion. There was a moment, it was during, uh, hold on, um, I gotta remember my history. There was a moment mm -hmm. in, in um, it was a thing that happened between the, the, the Klingons, the Federation, and the Romulans mm. uh, ages ago. Um, mm. It was the uh, the incident with that one right. Oh, it was the Commander Data incident where he used, he was, uh, it was the first time a synthetic life form took command of a starship. And he was given command of a Nebula class starship and he used a Tachyon net to detect the presence of multiple Derodex destroyers. 
Yes, yes. If you can look up that research, Let, we may be able to use it. I'm going to see what he did. <laughs> um, Great job. Good idea. Uh, thanks. I'm going to do it right here, though, if that's okay. I'm just going to... There's lots of computer stuff around here. I can probably use one of these guys. And he yeah. very... Just muscles his way over across the across the research area you are and moves over to one of these panels and just starts typing away. Uh, it says, uh, computer I'm transfer library controls to this holographic station, please. Authorization, Lieutenant Wren. <laughs> and um, as he does, tech is going to actually move away uh, just for a bit of privacy. Okay. Uh, Chief tech to Bobby D. A few moments pass, and you hear the universal translator immediately compensating for the clicks and squeaks of one of the cetacean crew members um, come through and says, Yes, Chief, this is Bobby D. What can I do for you? I'd like to schedule a counseling session, please. Well, we're having a group counseling session on the promenade this evening, actually, if you'd like to come by. I would like that very much. Well, then we'll see you there. I'm looking Thank forward you. to meeting you. Tech out. And I'll get back to work. The camera position would reveal Vren's small smile on his face as he continues to work and doesn't acknowledge what happened behind him. Um, his Andorian antenna just kind of maneuvering a little bit. but He just keeps typing away. Um, so... We're going to say about an hour passes as things are getting set up. Um, so for the sake of moving the story forward, with regards to where we're at with the tachyon grid, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call for a roll with Chief Tech in the lead. I'm going to let Vryn assist and the USS Ross is going to assist. So this is going to be pretty interesting because the Ross is going to be rolling... Um, sensors plus this would totally be a sensor science role. Vren, who oh, you know, Vren is going to be using his techno, his Lieutenant Xylus Vren is going to roll. I'm going to have him roll control engineering. Um, creating this tachyon grid. Thanks to Vryn looking up the computer. Actually, why don't we do this? Vryn is going to roll real quick to recall that on the computer. So somebody do an assist for USS Ross. So I'm going to ask for a computers plus command roll. Difficulty is zero. And so whoever wants to roll for Ross. Um, oh my gosh. I'm going to bank that threat. But you do succeed. <laughs> As I roll a natural 20. I roll a natural 20 and 11. Um, but you do get two momentum out of that. And here's what ends up happening is Vryn is actually able to uncover um, a lot of the logs and debriefings of that incident. It was during the incident where the Klingon Civil War was just beginning. And the House of Duras was conspiring with Romulans. Interestingly enough, the name Sela comes up in the search. Um, in fact, according to the logs, this was this was Starfleet's first contact with then Commander Sela. Um, Vren notes that when you guys are researching, 
And you just hear him, the Andorian shakes his head and goes, man, I really don't like how often I see this woman's name pop up. She is everywhere. She is freaking me out a little bit. Um, but I have the logs here and he brings up the data reads and he goes, man, look at this. I wish I was as fast as a synthetic data erected a tachyon net in under 34 seconds. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, we've we've had we've had a couple of hours, and you you've been working on this for three weeks with no sleep, so we should be we should be in good shape here, I think. Yeah, okay. In order to erect this tachyon net, we're going to need a secondary ship, but we can we can improvise if we use probes. It won't be a sustained net, but chief, I bet you anything, we can like cast up like a pulse net, one that lasts yeah. kind of strobes a little bit. A we'll great idea. And if there's a cloaked ship out there, we won't get an exact location, but we will get snapshots. It's like some sort of sonar or radar. Yeah. What is that? Well, oh yeah, this. Right, you, you did it. Yes. So then you're right. Yes, I agree. Oh, sonar. That's with water. Sure. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. <laughs> Vryn turns back to the console. Um, so. With that roll, about an hour passes. Um, skipping ahead, Vryn is down in the shuttle bay. And Captain, per Vryn's request, he has requested a Type 11 uh, personal shuttle. The reason being is even though he loves the Danube class, the Type 11 is a lot quicker, a lot more maneuverable. I defer to him on this matter. I, what I know about flying ships. Um, okay, who's going with friend out of curiosity? You are. Ah, the three of you. Excellent. Yeah. Captain Captain's okay with that? Because Captain no. doesn't look okay with it. <laughs> Captain, <laughs> looks, <laughs> Captain looks questioning. <laughs> look, Captain has not been consulted at any phase of this process. <laughs> well, just... This whole thing has happened, like, everything stemmed to stern about yeah. this net has happened without them. <laughs> So, we should probably make it a trend, and uh, we will also have at least someone from security aboard as well. It doesn't have to be Prawl. I, I, when I say security, I mean someone who actually wears <laughs> that uniform. Not someone hat. who really likes phasers. <laughs> someone who is a current serving security officer in Starfleet. Um, okay. Where we well, serve. All right. And besides, you're going to be manning a sensors station. Uh, can, in that time, uh, would LeCat have been interested in working on a local sensors project relative to that? Because Absolutely. there is all this sort of net I wonder about the possibility of tapping the local sensor grid to augment that, get a better look. Oh, interesting. So basically use like what's already set up to be like, hey. Right, we have standing infrastructure because any system is going to have extant sensor network mm -hmm. locally placed. That's, you know how they spot us and all of that good stuff. So one can conceivably bounce it off of them 
if one were able to tap the system, which naturally none of us has training in, would you care to? Yeah, I would love to try. Uh, okay. Can I, you, is it cool if I roll for that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, may yeah. I assist on it? Perhaps. Sure. Not I'll that I have any experience in any any sort of uh, illicit I'm gonna computer th- infiltration or technology. I'm going to set the difficulty at two. Okay. And um, by the way, Prawl is going to assign you uh, assign you um, Nadra Bedim. They, them, Lieutenant Nadra Bedim. They are human and they are ex maquis. Oh, they yes. are. They are assigned to your security team for this, and they sit in the chair in the back of the shuttlecraft. Uh, go ahead and make your roll, real quick. What's up? Question, what is the rank? Is are they lieutenant? Ensign? Lieutenant. They're, they're lieutenant. Yeah. Um, and I get to use my focus and sensors, right? Yes, you can. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because I got, I got, Uh-oh. I got three, but I also got a twenty. Yes. Uh, let me. Uh, uh, but you. Uh, did you uh, take a? Yeah. Take a boy. Take a momentum boy. Yeah. Take a momentum boy. Yeah. Well, so then you'll have had cautious, so you can re-roll it. Yep. 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 Holy shit! I re rolled another one. Yeah. Awesome. Then it was fated to be. Um, I'm my, I'm that. assist. So. Uh, and my control and engine, uh, security and engineering are the same. Okay. So. All right. Uh, that's another one from me as well. Great. Okay, I great. I guess Roth technically rolls, but I think we probably did the thing. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's saddling up into the shuttlecraft here. The the effect of the, you're basically, you're, you, <clears throat> so just give, give me a quick snapshot of, of the exact effect you're going for here. I'm actually unclear who's on the shuttle. Oh, uh, not yet. But I, I'm just let me let me get clarification specifically. Um, it, tell me exactly what you were trying to accomplish with this roll again, one more time, with this check. Yes, uh, we're tapping the local sensor grid so right. that when this tachyon net pops off, we have a bunch of other eyes. Right, uh, right, exactly. Multiple angle snapshots. Yeah. yeah. Further, the fact that it will have been spotted by the local sensor grid means the locals will see it as well. Okay. Uh, cool. So it's an easy thing to sort of ping those satellites. If they see things too. Yeah. The ROS is able to connect with those sensor grids pretty easily because you're not trying to gain access necessarily to its detection grids. You're simply trying to feed it information. Then you can talk about maybe gaining access. But basically yeah. linking it up so that when you ping, everyone who can will, will ping back essentially yes. to get cool. maximum pingage <laughs> so you can detect if anything is out there um and everyone will see yeah. oh no there's been a cloak ship in our midst let's all look at that yeah okay now to aki's question who is officially is boarding the shuttle with vren okay so we have chief tech is going to be a part of that Captain said I have to stay by the sensors. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, I just said you had to be at a sensor station. You can do that on the shuttle. That's true. I'll, I'll, given that I'm staying back, which is fine. No, I'll stay back. I'll let someone else go on the away trip. Uh, I just, I just went on the, on this one and 
We illustrated earlier precisely why one of the command staff stays on the ship. So I'll do the smart thing. Uh, go ahead. Okay. All right. So it's Chief Tech, it's the security officer, and it's Vren. All right. As uh, are, I, I'm confused about Lacat, though. Was it an okay from Lacat coming with? Um, you know what? I'll go so that you don't have to keep talking. Yes, I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> No, but she, like, but Captain says, uh, I said any sensor station, and my cat is out of her seat. She's like, great. <laughs> I am so glad you approved it. And she's, uh, I, I think that she wants to feel useful right now. Um, and I feel like she's like, I've figured out the sensor situation. Um, like, I've set that up. I've like figured out like the magnetic interference. Like, I've done all I can do right now. And again, uh -huh. I don't want to be in a place where I'm going to go punch a Borda. So, like, I will come with you and, like, be useful there. But also, like, I've been down there before. So, like, I know what's, um, like, I have at least some understanding of the lay of the land. So, okay. So, come with. Okay, great. Meanwhile, you... Captain, do you want me to go and collect our Vorta? And start to get a, a suite together in the promenade? Yes, I suppose that would be for the best. As much as I just want to lock down every computer, every piece of technology, that blackout is yet to come. Any, uh, on my shit, my armory. Yes, go, go get him the promenade. You need uh Well, I mean, if Prawl wants to send someone with me, or if he wants to come himself. Prawl says, it's up to you, Ambassador. I already have a security team of four people that are going to be accompanying them everywhere they go. Then I think I'm well covered, Captain. All right. Very well. I'll go take care of that for you. Thank you. It's my job. Deep breaths. <laughs> I will not punch the Vorta. Good. Don't miss. Um, as the turbo lift doors close and the ambassador vanishes behind it, you hear Prawl in an uncharacteristic moment of levity just say, you should make Lacat give you that promise, Captain. And <laughs> glances down at the tactical <laughs> display. I don't ask people to make promises they'll break. With that, we're going to go on our 10-minute break, y'all. <laughs> It is 8.06. So we're going to go back to, uh, we'll be back in about 10 minutes. So at 8.16 our time, don't go anywhere. We'll see you then. Welcome back, everybody, to Clear Skies. Let's go ahead and jump right back into where we left off with the shuttlecraft getting ready to leave. The Cypress is about to head out of the main shuttle bay. Um, on top of this happening, the USS Ross is preparing to engage in what is essentially a sonar ping in space to try to detect a cloaked vessel, but more importantly, they're also trying to create a huge distraction to give this shuttlecraft a bit of uh, a safe journey. So let's go ahead and leap back in and see what happens because the USS Ross is about to make a big show. So, yeah, the Ross is about to jazz hands in a scale six ship. So let's see how this goes. First of all, in order to accomplish this, this is going to be a science officer task. So. Great. 
This um, has all been set up by Chief Tech and by Vren. So. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, actually, before Jane does this real quick, she would like to turn to the captain um, and say, it's, do we think it's a terrible idea to have Wellix see this as well? We'll have the data for him. Understood. Okay. We'll have the uh, center log. We can figure out figure out what we want to show him once we've seen it. Understood. Um, and then. Okay, look at. So you're coordinating this because you're currently on the Cypress as y'all are headed down towards the planet. Oh, right. um, Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm used to being in my captain's station. I know, <laughs> you're used to being on your throne. I assume this is over comms. Yes, uh, correct. As y'all are This uh, is, yeah. This is coordinated with the USS Ross. So you're gonna be, you're gonna be actually, you're gonna be activating this as you guys are headed out. So. Great. Um, what I'll need uh, from you, Lacat, is I'm gonna need you to make your sensors, yeah, you're, you're basically your reason science check. The Ross is going to be rolling definitely sensors. I think this is a, yeah, this is going to be a, yeah, this is going to be a sensors science check for the Ross as well. And then Tech would very much like to assist. Yeah. Um, uh, and Tech, your assist is essentially going to be the work you did with Ren, <laughs> is how I'm going to stage that. We're also, I'm going to be monitoring the results. Uh, that's basically what I'm here for, is to collect the data and match it with the patterns of the cloaked ships that we've had in the past. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I, uh, what's the level of the difficulty? Okay, so the difficulty for this is actually going to be... <laughs> <laughs> to, initiate, to initiate this, okay, so to initiate this pulse, the difficulty is going to be four. Okay, great. Um, can I spend a momentum on getting another dice? I strongly yes, encourage yeah. you to do yeah. so. Okay, Two great. right now. Yeah, so we're down to one. Great. Two. Two. Um, and I'm going to use my sensors focus as well. Okay. All right, sounds good. Oh, fuck yeah. I got a one, a two, and a 17. And so okay. let me tell you what it is. So because my, we're doing a reason science, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that 17 is still technically a success for me, which lands me at uh, one, two, three, four, five successes in one roll. Nice. Damn. Plus from tech. Yay. And we got another one from, okay. So you guys are probably filled up on momentum on that one then? Am I correct? Let's see, that was difficulty four. You rolled- Did we get a oh, roll from Ross? We got one from Ross, right? Yeah, Ambassador. Okay. Okay. And oh. we are up to four momentum by my count. Okay, great. Um, so the Cypress begins to leave the shuttle bay. Yeah. Lacat enters in some commands, coordinating with the science station on the USS Ross, and the science officer there on Beta Shift. And as this is happening, Vryn accelerates to just slightly past safety measures, kind of goes a little too fast, accelerating the shuttlecraft just as soon as he sees that the Ross is popping off her tachyon beams. So I'm going to need 
a roll for the shuttle. Um, I'm going to need the shuttle to roll engines plus con as the assist. I've got it. And and I'm going to roll. So for for Prawl, I'm sorry for not Prawl for Vren. Vren is going to need. Uh, may I spend a point of momentum? Would that be yes. acceptable? Okay. So I'm going to buy an extra die here. It's worth noting that Xylus Vren has efficient evasion as a talent. Rolling the dice. I roll a 13, a 14, and a 9. I'm sorry, a 6. And... Uh, no joy from Cyprus. Okay. Uh, all three of those are successes for Vren. What was the difficulty? Uh, the difficulty for this is three. Oh, there we are. So Vryn scores three successes. Sorry, I forgot to, when I'm playing my own NPC, I should have said that out loud. But yes, difficulty was three. So Vryn accelerates the shuttlecraft as soon as you guys um, watching from the port here on the shuttle, you're actually getting an appreciation because Vryn has flown shuttles before, but you've never seen him really fly. Um, as he's sitting at the controls, you see his hands sliding across the accelerators and the ship begins to pick up speed. She flies right underneath the starboard nacelle of the Ross, not over, not through, like standard departure would be, flies right under, sort of in that space between the neck and the end of the nacelle. Just zips it around, basically swings the shuttle around and heads towards the front of the ship, which is a good instinct because you guys just launched a tachyon net from behind the ship to the aft. Um, just as the Cypress accelerates, for everybody who's under the shuttle, you're getting a hell of a view of the Ross. You're actually under her saucer section right now. So you're technically flying underneath the second warp core. Um, and you can see that, bluing, that blue glowing strip right over your head and the viewports looking out. Um, USS Ross, of course, looking very similar to what would be a galaxy class and a sovereign class. Her saucer section, a little more circular, less oval shaped, a little more classical of a look on her saucer section. And as you fly underneath it, you're gaining another appreciation as you see that NX symbol, the uniqueness of this ship. It's rare when you get to see the lady uh, from this angle. So as y'all are flying away from the, the ship, it's impossible to miss the vibrant blue flash across the controls that are in front of you. The reflection passing through the light, uh, the, the light passing through the windows of the shuttlecraft, the front windows. Um, you guys, basically, this beam of blue energy lances out from the aft of the USS Ross main phaser ports as a tachyon burst strikes out in one direction and basically disperses. And as it disperses, the Ross's um, the Ross's phaser ports kind of fire off these light blasts in every direction, casting what looks like a quick net of tachyon energy. Um, phaser arrays aren't typically designed to do this kind of modification. And so channeling energy through the deflector dish into the phaser array, modifying these, these phaser bursts, you're actually able to create this tachyon beams that are kind of popping out. Now these would do no damage to any vessel not even to their shields. The energy levels is way too low, but it is enough to start taking snapshots. That being said, since this is all happening all at once, 
I am going to tell everybody right now that I'm spending four threat. Now, specifically, with the four threat spend, you detect nothing. It casts this huge net. You see it echo and ping off of the satellites. And instead of getting an image of a cloaked vessel, you actually get images of every single sensor buoy that has been located and hidden inside the asteroid belt. Including what looks like a Nausicaan Raider, which is docked, landed, joined, you're not sure, but it's essentially attached to the sides of one of these asteroids, Millennium Falcon style, probably lying in wait, but is the same classification of Raider as the ones that attacked the Ross. It is currently powered down. It's, it's on low power right now because it's hidden. But this tachyon dispersion, the particles casting across the asteroid belt, along with the pings from these sensor buoys, are feeding back to the Ross. And the Ross basically gets a silhouette snapshot of all of the ships within about 20,000 kilometers. So it's enough to catch the attention of everyone. Now I'm going to roll to see if it captures the attention of our pirates. Setting the difficulty of this at one. This is going to be a straight up. How many successes did you guys roll for that? It was five, right? Oh, yes. And I think we should uh, activate the scene trade magnetic interference on them to give them a sad day. Okay. Is that two momentum, I believe? Yes. Yeah. It is. So you're it's activating pricey, that trait. This is another look, little trick let's that we can you guys. <laughs> What's that? I, I was saying it's expensive, but let's treat ourselves. Absolutely. So remind the audience what this trait does. Yes. So scenes can have traits, uh, much like people have traits. The captain has traits. Orion, for instance, throughout our adventure in this system, the Yukvar system has had the trait magnetic interference due to the trinary star system that we're in with the hyperdense neutron star uh, popping off in there in the middle. That's right. It's a non-binary system. We love to see it. <laughs> so with that in mind, either Eric, the evil GM who destroys our all of feelings, or we, the plucky upstart hero players, uh, can spend threat or momentum respectively to activate those traits. Uh, when that is done, it either, if Eric's doing it, will increase our difficulty or we can do it right back to him. Did I explain it exactly the way that you would have, Eric? Yeah, pretty much. A little okay. more charismatically than me, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so essentially the activation of these tachyons being dispersed all throughout space around the USS Ross causes a reaction which we will say, because LeCat took time to set this whole thing up, was part of the plan. Um, as this tachyon burst pops, and you see the scattering effect taking place, and you see all these ships popping up on sensors, 
the cascade effect of these tachyons interacting with the magnetic interference immediately scrambles sensors in the immediate area. <laughs> this is a problem for the USS Ross too. However, the USS Ross did have a snapshot of the immediate area thanks to that big tachyon burst. So right now, everybody is currently kind of in a state of rubbing their eyes going, what was that? Like flashbang basically just went off in orbit of this planet. And because of the tremendous successes and the work that you put in, Ravity, on making that trait a possibility, I'm going to give you guys a smooth ride all the way down to the planet. Um, activating that trait, basically the Cypress flies right into the atmosphere and down into the caverns with no interception, no interference. Um, you will note on the shuttle, however, that for a few moments there, Vryn is flying totally by visuals only. He has no sensory input coming into the shuttle because of that flashbang. Um, and he is able to pilot himself all the way down into the atmosphere using all of the instincts and knowledge that he has as a pilot. You know, a lot of Starfleet pilots rely heavily upon the technology to sort of guide themselves down. Um, when you guys reach what looks like a rock face, you fly into a cavern that is just big enough for the shuttle. Good thing you didn't take the Danube class. Exio, um, as you're having a conversation with Sprack that could not be described as intellectual in any capacity, um, one of the Orion children comes running into the room and goes, "There's a there's a ship coming right now. There's there's a there's a ship." I I lean down and um, thank you. Now make sure to go to the special place where we're hiding. Remember. Kid nods. Okay, go be safe. And with that, the child turns and he just dashes out of the room. And you hear him barking orders. We have to go to the safe place now. Everybody follow me. Like, you hear him just like... <laughs> um, Sprack, wonderful leader. Sprack gently touches you on the arm, Exio, and just says, Listen. I, uh, I don't know what is going on here necessarily, but I just want to give you some advice. Because um, I think y'all are good people. And that's rare to find out here. Uh, just be careful around Guz. He's not the brightest Gorn I've ever met in my life, to be sure, and he tends to look for an excuse. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And I just don't want things to get stupid. Understood. I'm, I'm actually Can trying you... to tell you that he hates holograms, and I, I don't know how to ease you into that, because I know that's sensitive. He hates technology. He absolutely hates it. Specifically holograms or just technology in general? Those are two very different things. Specifically holograms. He had a very strange encounter with an emergency medical hologram from Starfleet about two years ago. And um, he's a little superstitious. And he doesn't quite understand holographic technology just yet. Well, let's hope understanding will remove that particular bigoted bias. Oh, I don't think it will, but let's hope. Well, if by some means I leave this mission without my memories because of Guz, 
Can you please make sure that he does not attack the Tellarite that I impersonated? No promises, but if nothing else, I'll film it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. It's a joke. I'm joking. I think there's some things that you probably have to go do now. I'm being dismissed? Yes. Once a commander, always a commander. I was a daemon once. I know. A few moments later, in this huge cavernous room, you see this shuttlecraft, the Cypress, begin to race towards what looks like a shallowed platform, an outcropping. This is a large cavernous area that's capable of supporting more than a shuttlecraft. It looks like it's large enough to support um, easily maybe two or three of these Danube-class shuttles, which is a little interesting. It looks like maybe that they were in the process of hollowing this place out a little bit more and never finished. But as, this Dan as the uh, shuttlecraft comes in, in for landing, it smoothly just touches down and is Guz coming with us? Taraz um, joins you on the pad. You don't. You do see Guz is there, but he doesn't. He's standing back. He doesn't seem to be interacting right now. Has he made any looks at me? It's really hard to tell with those goddamn optical visors that are just uh, completely covering his eyes. And because of his Gorn-like face, it's really hard to read the expressions. He. It's essentially trying to determine whether or not a crocodile is looking at you. It's like looking at a painting and the eyes are following you. You think he's looking at you, but it is clear that he's not in a hostile body position right now. He's about maybe 20 meters away from all of this. His Gatling gun is on the ground and he's just kind of standing as like a statue. Taraz approaches you along with Lee um, as they see the shuttle touching down and the door to the shuttle goes and it opens, and there's a beat, and the next thing you see is Vryn stick his head out of the shuttlecraft and go, Every, everything good? Good on our end. Is it good on yours? Are we free to take off? Uh, yeah, we, we've got a small window here, so if we're going to do this, we've got to do it pretty quick. I look um, where Lee is. Lee immediately turns to Taraz, and just says, you've prepared for a moment like this. You know what to do if things happen. Taraz nods and says, I know what to do. Hey, Lee. And she stops and he just says, I don't want to sound fatalistic. Then don't. All right, I just, um, just in case. I know, Taraz. Go. And he turns and motions over to the Gorn who thuds his way over. Sprack immediately joins them. Um, a few moments later, as you guys are all gathering up onto the shuttle, um, Lee approaches the rest of you. You see this Orion woman standing at about maybe her height's about maybe like five nine um decked out in these thick heavy looking dark leathers that almost look like they're strapped across her 
and she has this these sort of like brass plated shoulder guards on and this cascading green dark hair she looks like a militant orion resistance fighter of some kind and she comes striding up the ramp and stops in front of the shuttle stops right in front of before boarding the shuttle and uh Vryn just goes so where's the changeling and you see small window of time run right we got everybody on board okay wait 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 um glancing over the shoulder you see sprack come dashing towards the shuttlecraft and he runs up to the ramp and says i'm supposed to come with you sorry i i'm supposed to come with you you just remembered that now no i was just ordered now so i'm gonna come with you i'm literally useless down here so if nothing else i can you know help out with uh whatever you got going on on this starship besides what? i've been underground for ages immediately identify how you would not be useless on my ship well i mean lee doesn't have to go alone and i can report back to Taraj that um you know everything went well and if lee needs to stay i'm not saying you're staying but if lee needs to stay you can send me back and say hey lee is staying and i can tell everybody there's a Man, lot of we, we gotta go now Okay, let's go. I want to look up at Taraz to at least give a visual confirmation that this is what's happening right now. Taraz has got a shit-eating grin on his face. From across the hangar bay, you just see him looking at you like, oh yeah, I'm giving you a Ferengi. He just kind of eyes you from about 60 meters away. And without another word, he just motions and to, to Guz and they start leaving. I just shout back at him. Um... Please continue to act like you have already been exposed. I'll send the little one back when we're done. <sighs> All right. Sprack welcomes himself aboard the Cypress <laughs> and straps himself into a chair. Um, as he sits down, he's across from uh, Tech and he just looks over at you, Tech, and goes, Hello? Lieutenant Badim, can we please make sure that these guests are secure? They look at you and say, yes, Chief. I think I can see to that. Thank you. And with that, Badim just turns to Sprack and says, I'm going to ask you to prevent the indignation of me searching you. Do you have any weapons on you? And Sprack goes, yes, yes, I do. I do. I have one in, in my, can I reach for it? And they just nod and says, reach for it. And Sprack pulls out um, what looks like a small pistol of some kind, some small energy weapon, and just plops it into their hand. That's all I got. Eric, based on um, the fact that I have been spying on them without their knowledge, are, are there more weapons on him that I know of? Sprack probably has a melee weapon somewhere. It would yeah, be- I'm saying specifically, do I know on what part of his person do, is it? Sure. I think Exio would know that. Yeah. All right. I, I, I look up. Is it uh, an ensign or a lieutenant who was with us? I can't remember. It's a lieutenant. Lieutenant. Um, I just look at the lieutenant and I say, both ankles. The lieutenant slowly, irritation on their face, slowly looks at Sprack and goes, okie dokie, let's just pull those out. And pulls out two what look like throwing knives and immediately hands it over and says, that is definitely it. 
and there's a lurch as the inertial dampeners kick in and you guys, the shuttle begins to and Vryn just goes, I'm letting everybody know now I'm flying kind of fast, so everybody get ready. Um, LaCat, you can feel the eyes of this Orion woman on you. She's been looking at you from the moment she got into the shuttle and sat down. And I think Jane has made like a concentrated effort of looking just at her scans. She's gonna look at her little sensor scans. Okay. Um, the Cypress is able to successfully withdraw. Whatever chaos you guys caused in the upper atmosphere, it did two things. First of all, it pinged everybody, revealed the location of a ship, which by the way, Captain, after they realized they had been discovered, they powered up their systems and immediately fled. <laughs> they headed deeper into the asteroid field. Um, I take down the heading just academically, okay. I'm sure. Yeah, the but no. Why not? Sometimes <laughs> you just want to make a pit stop on the way home. And anyway, we don't need to worry about that right now. The Ross is the big dog in the yard right now. On top of the fireworks show, nobody is coming close to this ship. So the it, the resistance that you guys uncovered the first time around does not show up this time around. And it doesn't take long for Vren to fly out of the atmosphere and get back to the Ross in record time. And it is a testament to his flying skill, which is pretty much... Vren flies the way Rube punched people. Wow. So, <laughs> I, uh, yes, when making Vren, I made sure to... To, to, to Sam DeLev, this character. So, um, uh, Rave for context, Rue punched like a god. <laughs> god punch. <laughs> um, the Cypress touches down in Cargo Bay 1. It is something of a relief, Exio, to see the inside cargo bay of the USS Ross through those windows. And as the tractor beams guide the shuttle in and gently set her down on the deck and the power systems all shut down you hear Vringo pressure release opening shuttle door and as that door opens just like a sun being revealed upon the horizon standing in front of you is Captain Azari Sal <laughs> flanked by I'm guessing the ambassador are you here Olin are you here Olin Aki, can you hear me? I don't think Aki can hear me. Can you hear me, Aki? I can. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm I'm sorry. I'm here. Are you in We're, the hangar as well? I'm sorry. One more time. Are you in the hangar as well? Uh, no. I would have been unless unless I was asked by the captain to bring the board to, to the hangar. I've probably been in the promenade setting things up. Yeah, I think setting. you'd be in the promenade then. Okay. Yeah, so, my apologies. I'm so sorry. It's just the captain and Prawl. Okay. So you see Exio as the door opens. Commander. Good to see you, Captain. Welcome aboard. Um... Is, is the crew still, have they exited the shuttle or is? Everyone's starting to filter out, but I'll tell you right now, Sprack hops down. <laughs> you see this Ferengi just pop out of the shuttle and pop down onto the ground and just look around and go, 
This is a very big ship. What is he doing here? A I flew here. A last minute addition, literally, last minute. He's ah, with me, and you see this. You see this Orion woman step to the fore, and she just says, "He's with me, Captain." Lee, I presume. She walks down the ramp and right up to you and glances up to you, Captain, and extends a hand and says, I get to meet my hunter at last. I'm meeting a long time in coming. She extends her hand to you. I take it. Um, one by one, the rest of the crew filters out. I'd just like to keep an eye specifically on Lacat and Chief. Um, okay. I can only imagine being on this particular mission will have intense emotions attached to it right now. And they behaved exemplary. Um, and I just want to keep an eye on for when that cracks, if it okay. cracks. And I can tell you that um, besides the interaction with Sprack, uh, Tech has not taken his eyes off of Lee, uh, and it's a very intense gaze. Sure. Okay. Uh, the other intense gaze are uh, <laughs> mostly uh, focusing for the moment on Exio. Uh, hey, boy, and I think, you want okay. to... I think that the cat kind of like feels that intense gaze, and I think that you are making the direct contact that like eye contact that she's like wishes she was making, but she's like I don't like I don't trust myself to make that direct eye contact. So she's going to walk out with you. Um, as and, and not say anything, but um, I think that she definitely like falls in step with you and she just wants to be there with you for that moment. Okay. Can you have cl- a little bit of a car- clarification of who you meant you were following? Sorry, I meant tech. Thank you. And you were not making eye contact with- um... Not making eye contact with Lee. Thank you. Okay. Captain? What? The meeting is going to be set in the promenade. The ambassador is there already. Is it to be happening at this very moment? I think there's excellent reason to expedite matters. If for no other reason, we have pirates to take care of as well. The commander is working on those tactical plans and will have multiple alternatives for us to peruse shortly. Where best will my efforts be in use, Captain? I look to Lee, because I know that those two had met and we had not yet, and trying to gauge whether there exists rapport or anything like that, to know whether or not uh, Axio would be useful in the ambassadorial meeting. Okay. Um, she is very difficult to read. Uh, she's kind of glancing back and forth between the two of you, but keeping quiet. Um, it's difficult to tell if she's formed any kind of attachment or not, but she does seem to be pretty intent on watching you, Captain. Um, and I guess from me, you would get, um, now that, uh, the two people that she was worried about have left um, the hangar. Mm -hmm. Um, The, 
it's not the same emotions, but you know when a person is very much trying to not look at their crush? Yeah. It's that. From okay. Go. There's a bit of intentionally trying to look uninterested. Okay. You know, I think we could use you in that meeting, Commander. We can use your insight. You've read Nadran before. You've taken the baseline. I think we could use the rest of the read. Yes, Captain. It would be an honor. I was just going to say, I, I dismiss myself and start to walk, and um, I do not hand you my ring. I note it. Lee slowly turns and looks at Sprack and just says, Sprack, are you planning on being a part of this? And he just goes, if you don't mind, I mean, I honestly don't know what was going through his head when he sent me on this, but I just do what I'm told, so... If you want me there, it might piss them off. You know how much Vorda hate Ferengi. <laughs> Come with me. Um, and y'all walk towards you leaving the the hangar bay one. Y'all walk towards the turbo lift. Um, stepping into the turbo lift. Um, as you're about to step into the turbo lift, uh, Prawl has what looks like two more security officers waiting there. Um, the, a lot of you, as many as that can get into the turbo lift, you all filter in. And as the doors close, Prawl says, The doors are the doors slide closed, and he basically no, probably wouldn't say that. <laughs> basically, the doors close, and uh, Paul orders the turbo lift to take you guys to the promenade. So you hear this. <laughs> what does it look like jaw? Paul's jaw. Like what is what's He's, going on there? Let me just say that Paul is fighting so hard to keep his mouth shut that even the GM wasn't sure if he was about to talk or not. <laughs> <laughs> she notices. Um, that's for sure. She'll ask him what he was going to say there later. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as the turbo lift is going. Lee, in a quieted voice, leans over to you, Captain, and says, I hope we get the chance to talk later. As do I. I would love to compare notes, find out how things went down on your end, and I can maybe tell you how close you got. Well, seems ultimately I got there. Well, I have to confess, I wish I'd gotten it without the assist. Funny, I I see it from the opposite angle. I feel like I got to you. Oh. Then this one's a draw. Hmm. She smiles and the door opens onto this beautiful deck. As the turbo lift arrives, the two stories that are designed, of course, these diplomatic suites, the one thing that makes the USS Ross, one of the many things that makes the USS Ross such a unique vessel, the promenade deck on the saucer section. 
these two stories of lush environments created by holograms, photons, hard light, and real plants. Um, stepping out, you can already hear the cascading waterfalls that immediately cause a sense of relaxation. You can see the slightly swaying banana-styled leaves of these huge plants um, casting dappled shadows across the open areas of the promenade as starlight filters in from the top windows that are now open on the saucer section. Gazing down into the second level of the promenade, you can actually see um, uh, there are some personnel that are filtering out of this area right now, but you can easily see where the Jim Hadar and the Vorda are set up with the ambassador, who has been entertaining them. Actually, the ambassador has not said a single word to Nadrin since they picked him up from uh, his quarters. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Uh, Am ambassador Olin got him from his quarters, merely said, follow me, and hasn't spoken to him since. Okay, has been sitting quietly. Um, as you all approach, the body language of the Vorta changes dramatically. And he slowly rises with this look of curiosity on his face. And as he does, there's a bit of an anxiety spike. And as you all see, from for anybody who's standing nearby, you watch as this Orion woman suddenly begins to glow into like an amber-like color. And her skin begins to ripple. You see her height begins to change ever so slightly. And the light begins to cast through her. She assumes the changeling form as she is walking to indicate who she is to the Vorda. And it apparently registers because as she strides up and reforms back into this Orion form, he stands up and none of you exist in his world right now. And he approaches and immediately casts his gaze down to the floor with his hands open and just says, founder, I am not worthy to stand in your presence. This is an honor. Even more remarkable is behind him the Jim Hadar look like they are stunned. Like they, it's it's an interesting thing to see a Jim Hadar look awkward. But the first is standing proud and tall. The second looks confused and uncertain. He's looking over at the first with a little bit of uncertainty. The first grabs hold of his shoulder and holds him still for a second. And this second casts his eyes straight down immediately. It's a strange exchange to watch, but the Jim'Hadar act very different from the Vorda. Um, and Lee says, you may rise. So, you are the one that they've sent to bring me back. I am to facilitate your return to the Dominion Founder at your order. Before we get to that, she says, why don't we have a conversation? And she moves past him and takes a seat. And you see this moment of like, for the first time since you've met Nodron, you see uncertainty, a little confusion. This isn't going the way he thought it would go. He kind of just goes, uh, of course, founder. And backs away, does not turn his back to her, steps very carefully backwards and does not resume his seat, but he folds his hands almost as in supplication and waits for her to speak first. 
she slides into the chair and glances around at everybody. I take a seat at, the, at my usual spot, pen and table. Okay. Sit across. Yep. Okay, everyone takes their seats. Um, for many of you, this is your first encounter with a changeling. Um, the display of power approaching was not meant to intimidate. You get the impression it was just to identify. But for those of you who have never actually physically seen a changeling, their whole body, their whole existence defies what normal biological science understands about what life can do. She sits very quietly in her Orion form, a perfect replica of an Orion woman, and glances at everyone and just says, who would like to begin? If I have the option, Founder, may I just say one more time what a true blessing it is to be here and to be the one allowed, she says, shut up, I'm talking to them. Of course. And he, like a worm, slinks back. Forgive yes. me for being abrupt. Captain, would you like to begin? Of course, we've come here to discuss the potential rendition of the changeling Lee back to the Dominion. Naturally, as Starfleet, we do not participate in any kind of extraordinary or forced rendition. And so it is by the Founders will that we proceed founder what is your will you see the vorta looks a little surprised by that and glances over to her and then immediately averts his eyes um she says who ordered you to come find me i was ordered by Odo. Founder Odo, of course. Odo? He's returned to the Great Link then. Yes, after the end of the war, he rejoined the rest of the Founders. Why did he want you to come find me? Oh, I believe he was concerned. You were abandoned in the Quadrant, much as he was back in times past. And he wanted to ensure that such a fate did not befall any of the other founders. Also because of the hostility in the Alpha and Beta Quadrants towards the founders. His concern of your well-being, of course, returning you to the Great Link, was all that he cared for. How is this arranged? Founder? I wish to know how this was arranged. You see... Captain Sull and my new friend, Commander Exio. I've been informed that this mission has been arranged in a specific way as to avoid contact and notice. I don't know the particulars of the Treaty of Bejor, but I am curious, how was this mission arranged? I can tell you it was done so without much diplomatic input. That's interesting. She looks at the Forda and says, would you care to tell me? Perhaps founder, I. Perhaps in 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 private, founder. Surely you're not questioning, the founder, Malcolm. You see, he chokes. <laughs> he goes. I, I, of course.
course not. I am only looking out for what I believe to be in your best interests. Well, that would be truly independently thinking of you. Founder, I am nothing but loyal. You see he's getting a little desperate when Olin says that. She says, I would like to know here and now, how is this arranged? We used our contacts in Starfleet Intelligence to arrange this. Go on. Founder Odo realized that this would not be a simple matter and that the proximity of Klingon space might make you an enticing target, so he elected to go through a more subtle route in exchange for favors. Go on. Certain favors. Um, Founder, Can I get a- can I get a read off him, please? Uh, you don't even have to roll. You're, the emotional state that he is in is intense anxiety, and he is genuinely, like, he, he wants her to see him as the most perfect servant, the most loyal vessel of the founders. And right now, he's afraid that she doesn't see that. Everything that he's done. She has to know. There's a feeling of desperation. Um, also, I'll give you this, since you're reaching out, Olin, the Jim Hadar standing behind you guys, the first is keeping himself in check, but the second is mortified, embarrassed, shocked. The first, however, is feeling an intense sensation of of reverence. Um, After after a moment passes, he finally finds his word and says, we made contact with Starfleet Intelligence and offered to give them some of our anti-cloaking technology in exchange for access to Federation space in order to retrieve you, Founder. This was going to be difficult because of the Treaty of Bajor, and the Federation doesn't want the Romulan Star Empire knowing that they're acquiring anti-cloaking technology. So from my understanding, this was all done very hush-hush, as they say. I was not permitted to speak about it. I'm sorry to interrupt again. What does Olin know about why Odo went back to the Great Link? He did it mainly because, um, what would Olin know? All you know about that particular instance from what you've read is that he did it voluntarily and he did it specifically to help guide the cha- his people to a new era to try to help them understand solids. He did it to help save the changeling race, essentially. Mm-hmm. The, the original female changeling is currently being held at an undisclosed location in a maximum security prison right. as a war criminal. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, I think that at this point, Olin has started to sort of cast looks in the captain's direction. You're feeling... Thank you, Dice. Much more calm than 
you have gotten from any of these previous... Uh... They're very deliberately trying to get the captain's attention right now, is the, the is exact, is what I mean by they are casting glances in your direction. <laughs> They'll uh, lean over to their left a little bit in that classic uh, conferring, uh, but doesn't fully take their attention off of Lee and the border. Okay. I think there's definitely more to it than anti-cloaking technology, Captain. I don't think that Odo sent them out here to get her just because they thought she was in danger. A quick nod. Thank you. Uh, what are what are Lee and uh, Nadrin saying right now? Nadrin is stuttering his way through assurances that this was sanctioned by Starfleet and that he is here to bring her safely home. And it is at that point when Lee drops the bomb and says, I will not be returning to the Great Link, not now. And Nadrin just goes, Not now. No. I see. Well, very good, founder. Then what would you like us to do? <laughs> um, she says, Who was your contact at Starfleet Intelligence? Was it Re? It was Admiral Nollis Re, yes. Hmm. And she glances at you, Captain, and just says, wasn't he your old boss? Hmm. Captain, there's two reasons why this is alarming, that she knows that, <laughs> that she knew the name Re. And that she, she, you get the impression with a mischievous grin on her face that she's posturing a little bit. She probably feels, you're getting the impression she probably is just posturing a little bit here. Oh, you know, <laughs> I find that a little flattering, honestly. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, like trying to impress me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to give her that one. Hmm. One has many close colleagues and intelligence yes it really takes quite an impressive offer any sense then of why you might have sent me did you hear that Malcolm? <laughs> i don't see why i should divulge that information to you captain i look to lee lee is looking at him and just saying Nadrin, you'll tell us everything, please. These are the Federation. They're our friends now. Remember, the war is over. <sighs> you see him exhale as the, his line is being used on him. And finally, he just says, I don't actually have those details, Founder. Only that the arrangement was made at the behest of Founder Odo. And I was to execute this. I see. How did you reach this deep into Federation space without 
being detected. I'm curious. We secured a third party to transport us here, a, a Ferengi captain. Really? Really? You hear Sprack speak up. Yes, really. He says to the Ferengi with irritation. Sprack, did you want to ask something? There's a lot of Ferengi ships out there. Could be anything. What was the ship? I recall the name, the liquidator, I believe. You see the look on Sprack's face go, and a stream of Ferenginar language come exploding out of the Ferengi immediately, like the rage that passes over his face. Every now and then the Universal Translator picks up, that's my ship, as he's screaming it over over and over again with swearing and screaming, just like, this Ferengi's head looks like it's gonna pop. It's enough to actually get the attention of the Jim Hadar. And Prawl says, Captain, do you want me to stun this guy? And Bolin slowly stands up. Sprack, would you like to join me outside? Or would you like to stay in here? We can do this either way. How about we go for a walk? Okay. And Olin is going to escort Sprack out. Wait, before we leave, I just, I have to know. Of course. Was it Scrag? I believe that was the daemon's name. It's Okay, we are going now. We'll get you a drink. Um, Pure the, gratitude over their shoulder. Yes. To Olin from Saul. Brack being escorted out of the room, and you just see Lee. And just, on my way out, I'm just going to make one more quick eye contact with the captain. Just sort of put a put a pin in that. I want to talk to you later. <laughs> uh, that little microscopic uh, message received. Nod. More of a blink, almost. Well, I'm afraid you've come out here for nothing, Nodrin. Not, not for nothing, Founder. I'm pleased to see that you are fine, and I'm ready to serve you. If you would like, I would stay with you and serve you in any ways possible. No, I don't think that'll be necessary. I, I, you wish me to return to the Dominion without, without you, Founder? And she glances at you, Saul. And then she glances over at the two Jim Hadar soldiers. And the moment she looks at the Jim Hadar, they cast their eyes at the floor. And she slowly stands and turns towards them and says, What are your names? And when she addresses them directly, the Vorta just goes, like his mouth hangs open for a second. And Immediately, the large Jimadar steps forward and says, Ikatlan Itlan, first. And the second Jimadar steps forward and says, Venet Rax, second. And are you loyal to the founders? In life and death, they both say in unison. I could use you two. 
but I don't need you, Nodrin. Found her. Kill him. Not on my ship. Two Jim Hadar are charging towards this Vorta right now. Uh, Closer well, this they. is really going to suck for me, but I'm going to body block. Yeah, I am also going to a- feebly attempt to because my body isn't a body. Hey, yeah, I've only could flip. Dang. All right. Mm, not on my ship, dude. As you two lunge forward, it takes a split second to get, it only takes you about a split second to get in front of the Vorta as his eyes open wide. But to her credit, seeing the body block as it's all about to happen, she throws her hand up immediately and the two Jim'Hadar stop in their tracks right in front of you. You're being stared down by these two Jim'Hadar. Um, Exio, you're on your feet just a foot or two away from the captain, ready to go at it if need be. Prawl has drawn phasers. Prawl has drawn his phaser and the other security officers have drawn their phasers. And says, Captain, you you see Lee look at you and says, Captain, you have a problem with this? Not on my ship. Very well. Nodrin, you will accompany me down to the planet, as will the two of you. And the two Jim Hadar nod. And Nodrin says, Founder, I'm I'm certain there's some way I can serve you. I, I, I have information. I have a vast welfare, a wealth of knowledge that I could uh, fill you in on things that have been happening in the Dominion since you've been out here. That's true, Nodrin. Captain, before this proceeds any further, she turns to you and says, I wish to discuss the situation down on the planet below. Yes, please. You may go over there. And Nodrin, yes, found her. And takes a few steps back, eyeing the Jim Hadar, whom he had full command on just a moment ago. They watch him like hawks, and he steps back, never turning his back to her, and moves away. And she turns her gaze back to the two, to, to everybody here at this present, and she says, you'll have to forgive me. There is a certain way we do things in the Dominion, and I know they're not very tasteful to you all here, particularly because there is a appreciation for life. I understand. Alas, I do find myself out of my jurisdiction on the planet, but there are some things I simply cannot sanction on a star, starship, you understand. I do understand. Can I do a quick check into this? Because this is very different um, than who you met down below. What was said below. Um, and, and yeah, this is kind go of ahead. Exio a little bit. Go ahead. And uh, I would say go ahead. The, yeah. Go ahead and make your presence command check. Or, I'm sorry. This would be insight command. And, and because I have to. I have to have had a vocal confrontation. I've had to, I, a social confrontation. Uh-huh. I was um, af- right after she says, because of the stance of you valuing life. Um, 
I would like, uh, I just sort of, sort of, un like, it bursts out of my mouth, sort of, um, with, with the, uh, the tone of my voice sounds like betrayal. <laughs> um, and Exio just says, what about what you said in the Haven? And she like, turns and looks at you. Um, go ahead and make your role. go ahead and make your roll. This is going to be a contested roll. Do we have any? Um, it's been two threat. Do we have any? Uh, we have one. I would like. We have to one right now. A die, if everyone's okay with that. <sighs> and you said presence command. Yep. Um. Uh, in, no, you said insight. Oh, yeah. uh, insight. insight command. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, can I assist? Uh, on this one, no. I'm going to say no assist on this one. It is always fair to say no assist to me. <laughs> hmm. I, I don't think any of my values um, go towards this. Okay. This is... Make your roll. Difficulty is one. It's a contested roll. Okay. It... This isn't yeah. expertise. I'm just trying to see if there's an if there is a way for my values to work because this is yeah. this isn't a thing. Um, like this, you know, this hasn't been an order. This is me mistru yeah. having my tr my trust confused. I guess not even. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm not sure, because my limit does not exist, I don't think would apply to this, because no. at this moment I'm questioning my limit. Yeah. Um, and... Well, that's the other thing to do, though. You can challenge a value. Okay, then I... I'm challenging my value. In that case, because... challenging your value... First of all, challenging your value is an excellent way to um, gain experience. But it also means that you have to cross that value out. It's yeah. done. And you'll get you'll get to activate it. But it's gonna have a, a an impact on Exio emotionally. The limit does not exist now suddenly. Honestly, based on what's happened today and the fact that she's now questioning every every choice she has made of whether or not it's actually been hers. Mm -hmm. And and now questioning whether or not the trust she has just put in someone matters um and and so yeah i think she's questioning whether or not she has a limit okay which sucks <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hell of a day go ahead and go ahead and do it Call okay two successes yeah I'm all right get out Blah. if i recall correctly this has only ever happened one other time Correct on Shield of Tomorrow. Yeah, ever in Clear Skies. First time on Clear Skies, but once only ever on Shield of Tomorrow. It was when Hector, mm -hmm. when Captain Martinez questioned Starfleet, he wasn't so sure anymore. Um. All right. Tell me what you rolled. Six successes. <laughs> okay. It's a whole new person. Um. This is not the woman you spoke to in those caverns. This is not the compassionate, wise being. She looked at that Vorta like he was nothing. 
he was a tool. She looked at him and treated him just now in a way that seemed to suggest that she has a deep-seated resentment that she was able to hide from you. Um, because the callous, casual way in which she gave that order to execute him was very typical of what Starfleet knows about the changelings and how they executed themselves, how they executed their operations during the Dominion War. They looked at solids as non-people and he, she just treated him like he was trash to get rid of. Um, it's a totally different, it's, it's, it's a jarring shift from what you saw and completely flying in the face of the confidence that you have in your ability to read facial recognition, body language, all of that, this changeling just played you like a harpsichord. Uh, well, there is no more momentum, so I can no longer, I don't have, well, actually, what is the momentum? What, 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 what did she roll? Is um, she only rolled one success. Oh, then you we dominated. get five back up. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, obtained. Uh, I remind you, what the fuck is a valid question here? Yeah. Um... And I can't remember, am I allowed to keep asking out loud questions or does that break the chain? Um, out loud questions? What do you mean? Like, I, it's always, I, I can never remember the exact rule for cold reading, whether or not I'm allowed to ascertain information by asking more questions out loud or if I can only ask questions to understand information that has already been said out loud oh no you can you can ask you can are you talking about asking questions to the to the crew like no it, no, it, no no like like if it were to if exio were to then immediately actually ask lee a question out loud that kind of breaks the chain right not necessarily i mean you can you if you can spin that narratively i'll let you use that as an information spin for sure um I mean, ma mainly I wanted uh, the the question that like, basically Exio is now incredibly confused whether anything that was said to her was true and yeah. whether, um, and, and selfishly specifically, whether the information that was told to her was just to throw her off her guard and have her trust her rather than some, by making her mistrust someone she thought she trusted immediately mm -hmm. bonded me to the person giving me what I didn't know. Um, so uh, I, I'm going to keep challenging a different, I'm going to keep challenging the, the Vorta statements that she said down on the planet with far more internal um, motivation to know if she was lying about the other thing as well. Um, okay. So the, um, uh, so it, it's all just sort of coming 
questions keep coming out of her of just, did you mean anything that you said on the planet about the kind of things that your people did to them? And I'm pointing over at uh, the Vorta and the Jem'Hadar. The, what you said that you did and regretted and you treat him that way, after what you said about how you changed and you saw the things that you have done to protect and then you do that. Did I mean how what I said? How could you? Oh, did it not work? Um, no, you're asking, you basically have this explosion shouting at yeah. her. Um, security team still has their phasers out. They're not pointed, they're they're out at the ready. Um, the Jim Adar are still in the position that they were in. As you're shouting at this founder, um, she seems to study you for a moment, Exio. And she says, Exio, if you are going to so fervently defend your right to be considered alive, it's time to start understanding the dynamics of what it is to be alive. And what is that? The Vorta are tragedies. That's what I told you. It's an atrocity my people visited upon the galaxy. But their story is told and there is no coming back. Without the founders, their entire race would die out. And there's another clone of him waiting to be reborn as soon as this one dies. So what? That you continue the cycle of violence? On this tragedy? I don't think you brought me up here to discuss our cultural differences. I think we can accommodate a full range of discussions aboard this ship. I don't have that kind of time, unfortunately. I left a war zone to speak to you. You don't, and so I'm sure eloquence would be appreciated in this moment. Then back to the task at hand. I require help dealing with McCroll down on the planet. He's threatening to slaughter innocents and to reinstate what would be considered a puppet version of the Orion Crime Syndicate in his own vision. You're a fraud. She glances over to you and she says, and you are a facsimile of a human being. How are we so different? The commander is nothing like you. I don't know why I thought this would be fruitful, especially after all I've done for you. You said the changelings, the, the founder's entire mission was to fix 
everyone by destroying them, and that is what you view him as. You haven't changed. I am no longer needed here, Captain. Dismissed. And I thank you. She turns and looks back at you. You can't tell if Exio's words have sunk in or not, but she glances at you, Captain, and just says, Will you help us or not, Captain? What do you need? What you can't give, so I'm looking for alternatives. What we need is weapons, since I know Starfleet can't supply that. What can you give me? You need Canal gone. There are civilians there, and given that my commander didn't ex dispute that statement, at least, I'll assume that's true. Part of my mission as a Starfleet captain is to take care of pirates, so I can take care of pirates. If I can give you Canal, can you take him away? I know your penchant for wanting to spare life, and he has committed numerous crimes by your interstellar law. I'm sure I could deliver him. With it documentation, him. evidence of those crimes, then we can actually convict him at trial. I think the last thing you'd want is for us to let him go with a grudge. Agreed. And in return, I will respond and send message back to the Dominion so that you can be liberated from this uncomfortable mission that you're on. Oh, you're very kind, but I don't need you to cover my ass. I'll put it a different way, Captain. If the Dominion doesn't see me returned, they'll get agitated and they'll wonder what happened to their Vorta, their two Jim Hadar, and the founder that they were looking for. That does invite the possibility that you send Nadrin back as your messenger. Nadrin did make a good point. It might be worth keeping him around. I don't I think we can really trust that, that at this point. I have a particular beef with that clone. Really? Yes, really. Nadrin is unique among the Vorta in that he tends to display initiative that other Vorta don't have. And it made some of the founders wary because it was stepping outside the purview of what you normally see a Vorta do. And it nearly cost me my life. True that that was not the same clone as this one, but they are all bred to be very similar. But not the same. The sins of the prior clone ought not be visited. Maybe. I think, if nothing else, in this meeting. It is about setting aside the tensions of the past, Lee, and cooperating 
where we can? You see those two Jim'Hadar? She nods to them. And you see them, they're still in the same state that they were in moments ago, on the ready to lunge. Um, but the second, still looking at the floor, she says, Jim and Dara are not meant to speak to the founders or even see the founders. A first is occasionally allowed to be in the presence of a founder, but the Vorta speak for us. The second here, look at them. To them, I am a god. To them, they are already dead. And that the only way they can find life is through dying by my command. Tell me, with all you've seen, all you've experienced outside the idealism of Starfleet, can you look at that and tell me that there's a path back? With all Look. I've seen, I know there is nothing more important than to search for it. You see, that causes her to stare at you for a long moment. And after a beat, her eyes drop a little bit. Hmm. And she leans back and says no more to that. We're gonna cut away real quick because down in 10 forward, I'm gonna set a scene as we start to wrap up here. Um. LaCat, Tech, do you mind me commandeering y'all and putting y'all on 10 forward? Sure. Uh, I do have a counseling session to get to eventually, but yeah, sure. Okay. We'll say it's about... Well, that'll be tomorrow morning. No, it is tonight. Yeah, so you've got a counseling session to get to. Oh, and it's on the promenade. How about that? Okay. <laughs> so I'll we'll get to that. Um, LaCat, as you enter 10 forward, you see the ambassador is there with an agitated-looking Ferengi. It is a very open space right now. Um, and lots of people have scattered here. Ox crew are milling about, but you see them gathering around. And this Ferengi is sitting across from the ambassador, folding his hands, and he's saying something over and over and rocking back and forth. Um, Olin, uh, you've had to endure this, but for the past five minutes, this. Ferengi has just gone on and on about betrayal, about mutiny, about losing everything. Uh, Jane walks up, hears this, and goes, is he talking about us? No, I'm not talking about you. Oh, it's good to see you again, Jane. Hello. Um, I met Jane down on the planet. Yes, I'm aware. Um, <sighs> we had a conversation. He thinks my name is Plain. It's very plain. I have to admit, it's kind of plain. Isn't Sprack a rather common name for most Ferengi? No. Sprack is a unique, gorgeous name. It could be carved out of Latinum. It is a name of royalty. It is a name of, of emperors. You really don't have to try that hard to impress me. 
Um, I'm that impressive, am I? And he leans back and kind of straightens and says, you do know how to sweet talk a Ferengi. This isn't changing the fact that I'm angry. Very angry. Jane looks at um, Olin because I think that she's like, why are you here? So, uh, because you should be talking about Olin. Why are you on babysitting duty? I volunteered. I don't think I was going to be much use down there, and it seemed like they had things well in hand. Jane goes, did you try to punch the Vorda? I did not, but if I had uh, waited any longer, this one might have. I see. (sighs) This is your rant is about? Uh, The ship that uh, dropped the Vorta off was his once. And the person captaining it, apparently, if I'm reading your ranting correctly, mutinied and took your ship from you? He's my brother. Indeed. We had a disagreement over women. Oh, that's a terrible thing to disagree about. Unless it's a particular woman, I imagine. No, over women. 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 Females. We had a disagreement over females. I don't think they appreciate that term, just so you know. I'm going to go get something to drink. Would any of you like anything? Um, You don't mind? You know what I like. Yeah. She does. Um, she turns to Sprack. Sprack, any requests? Snail juice, please. Really? That's what they it's like. Really, All right. It's a comfort food. I mean... I need comfort. Uh, your brother, huh? Yes, my brother. Apparently your brother enjoys working with Vorta. Yeah. Um, she's gonna go get that snail juice. Alright, as you move away from the table, Sprack looks over to you, Olin, and just says, There is a revolution happening in the Ferengi trade union. You don't say. The female members of our species are giving equal rights. They're being allowed to vote. They're being allowed to own businesses. How very terrible for you, really. It's good. Oh. It's good for business. It's long overdue. It has held the Ferengi trade union back since its conception. It is you. idiotic that it has been like this this whole time. And I pointed out to my crew when I commanded a first officer who was not of the same sex as me. And... He turned the crew against me, called me a traitor, even though the Grand Nagish himself has changed things on Ferenginar. Did you know that ever since women have joined the trade union, profits have increased over 476,000%? Utilizing the other half of our population was a good idea. Olin is going to lean forward and give Sprack a kiss on the forehead. Aww. And I 
I, 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 uh, for, uh, cannot remember what I was saying now. I don't think I've ever met a Frankie quite like you, and that's saying something good. Reform is good. He leans onto the table with this intense passion in his eyes, and he's like, we were on track to make so much profit, and they couldn't see past the stupidity. Well, maybe if, uh, maybe one day you'll get the chance to get your ship back. You never know. Plenty of opportunity out there for a pirate. The liquidator. That was my vessel. You want to know where it is right now? Yes. Oh, Remember that moment in Empire when Yoda suddenly became scary? <laughs> <laughs> Sprack oh, leans uh, into Jane over, but also where is um Tech in this scene? Tech oh. is Tech is currently headed to the promenade. Oh, so he's just going straight to the promenade. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna be wrapping up here in a sec. But okay. um yeah. So yeah, Jane comes back with drinks. You sat down and um he says, oh, I didn't expect to, um, I thought I was going to have to slide of hand this, and then I got distracted by the fact that you've run into my brother who's flying my ship. Soon um, to be your ship again, I, I, I assure you. Are I was told to give you this. Oh, me? Whoever could take it from me. And he pulls out what looks like a small data rod. Okay, I'll I'll take it. What is it? I don't know. He didn't tell me. He who? Taraz. He didn't tell me what was on it. He just told me the moment that I was on the ship, and the moment that Lee wasn't around to put this in the hand of one of the people of the Federation. Understood. Why don't I take you, you have your snail juice, we'll go find your ship, and then Jane and I will have a look at this. Right, and I think we should probably loop in tech as well. And obviously I'm gonna have to let the captain know about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing at Gina's just what the fuck is going on cat man. face right now. Like blue band group, all that exists. Yeah. Are <laughs> of course he did. But let's find out what's on it. Okay. We love this stupid sexy man. Except <laughs> when he's causing trouble for us. <laughs> um, Alright. So looping in tech, where do you guys meet? Um, we oh. don't have to know. If Jane tells me that Tech is in a counseling session, we're not interrupting Tech. Where are you going? You're going um, go to we're gonna stand outside the counseling session, but not, but not bother the counseling session. The counseling session is on the other side of the promenade. It's actually on the same deck that the meeting that with the Vorda and everything is happening right now. Let's do that. That sounds like a great idea. It's on the oh, other God. side of the deck, so you're not going to have any... Um, so moving to that. All right, so you've got the data rod. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Are you just waiting outside the counseling session for it to wrap up? Um, how much time does it seem like it's going to take to wrap up? You know what? I'm going to ask the attendant there. Uh, Actually, I think there might be. Yeah, go ahead. One more time. Um, you know what? Actually, so you're not going to let Jane pull tech out of this counseling session, are you? No. Not even for a data rod? She we have <laughs> turns to you, Olin, and says... I 
we have a data rod that who knows what's on it and you 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 don't really you really going to i this is not anything against tech it's not anything against xander out of character either i'm just realizing there's probably somebody wait a minute no we can't have prawl either he's also tied up damn it (laughs) exactly i think what are y'all doing and this matter of security fine i think we should take it to the captain Captain's indisposed right now. Captain is yeah. literally talking. Just out of a meeting, and you probably will run into oh, hold, 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 hold up. Hold yeah, up. We got a little no bit problem. of crosstalk. We got a little bit of crosstalk. So who, let's go what? grab Exio. Exio's not in the scene. Let's go grab Exio. Let's do Exio. Okay. okay. Um, I, just so you don't have to go very far, um, as you're scrambling to think of who to call, you see Exio very angrily doing laps around the promenade. Oh, <laughs> I love that I don't love her. So that this goes uh, fast. Uh, make it- back to Axio, because she like tries to catch up to you and you're already gone. And so she she calms you. Yes, what, yes. Um, Is something wrong? Yes, what? Immediately. What, what, what's wrong? You, back, you, you passed us literally 10 seconds ago and you were moving too fast for us to stop you. Okay, then talk fast, what's going on? We have we have a data rod. Taraz smuggled a data rod in with with Sprack. Damn and- it! <sighs> okay, let's open it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Where are you, where are you guys doing this? Um, um, close uh, terminal. Actually, I'd like to I'd like to tap it. Uh, this, in is, a this is actually tapping. I'm so yes. sorry to interrupt. This is something actually that uh, uh, I was realizing. Wouldn't me, I, the, the the ambassador, have my own office on the promenade with a secure, like with secure, like clear, security clearance and stuff like that? I mean, Wouldn't that I have was, my yeah, space? you have di- the diplomatic suites here are built to accommodate your mission profile. All right, so we're gonna go into like one of my private, like a private uh, suite that's not in use, and go in there because that'll be secure. I'm okay. not a very like technological person, me Ravy team, but I also know that you don't just stick a USB stick in. No, sound. that's why I, I am going to be system tapping. Uh, let's make uh, sure we account for that. Yeah, so yeah. We're, we're headed into one of the private suites so that nobody can see anything. Okay. Love it. So how much momentum do you have? A, a lot, I think. Enough. We have okay. five. Spend two momentum and you will create a trait that no one can interfere with you guys right now. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Spent two. I can spend two momentum and you stop screwing up. Never mind. <laughs> All right. So to the console, you basically insert this data rod into the console. Um, immediately you see um, a password screen come up. The universal translator identifies that it's written in Orion, mm-hmm. but a password screen comes up. Any like symbols, no symbology of like the Orion syndicate or anything, just it's written in Orion. Oh, Exio just exhales a really annoyingly loud. He put a password on a. Ugh. And, and I, I would like to is actually my going... talent of uh, uh, program cache to just very quickly hack this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I Exio. think you... seeing uh, Exio more agitated than they've ever seen her, uh, even instinctually, without even like like letting it cross their mind that this isn't going to work puts their hand on Exio's shoulder to try and withdraw 
some of her emotion and then like like literally forgets that they can't do this with her yeah curiously I enough you don't feel the contact um and as you're touching exio's uh body exio um go ahead and just do a quick roll for me this is going to be a control um a control i would say control science check but i'll also accept engineering no i'm sorry security and security yep difficulty okay. is one uh, i would like to buy a die just in case okay Okay, okay. Three successes. Okay, you managed to nail out the password, Z-A-Z-R-I-T. And it immediately opens up. <laughs> and you see, as soon as this, as soon as the password's entered, and you see this screen power on, you are seeing what looks like footage. And it looks, it looks a bit like low quality. Okay. Kind of has that, kind of has that sort of, kind of has that sort of like fuzzy, like somebody hid what looks like a low grade camera somewhere. Um, and as you're watching this at something, at first nothing is happening. And then after a few moments, you recognize that this is actually the place where you guys had originally met. It's the 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 area with the waterfall. Okay. That very beautiful plush like area where all the, the kids haven. Are yeah. Yeah. I say that out loud so that they get context of what that means. So you've been here before. This is where all of the children that Zazarid was protecting were, or that Taraz was that. <laughs> And it looks exactly like you remember it. No tampering? Does it look different at all? No, it looks the same, but it's empty. Or at least it is for about 10 seconds or so. And this when is recording and not live feed, correct? That's correct. It's recording. It's record. This is a, a past recording. Okay. And after a few moments pass, you see entering into the frame the unmistakable form of almost what looks like this hulking cation with like body armored on mm -hmm. this sort of wrapped leather body armor and kind of like got it looks like it has equipment on him and stuff like that you immediately recognize that this is probably Kanul, the pharisian mm -hmm. as he's been mistakenly called um stepping into the haven standing where you were standing before canal and then you watch as canal shape shifts down and becomes lee and it all starts to sink into you in that particular moment everything that's happening the way you weren't able to read her the way everything has played out, the way Taraz has played this whole thing, waiting for an opportunity to get this into your hands, it starts to dawn on you 
the very real possibility, Exio. The very real possibility, Olin and Lacat, that this changeling has enslaved everybody through lies, through deceit, and is essentially trying to become the new Orion crime syndicate. And you watch as she strides over and sits down, adopting a completely different body posture. Your program registers suddenly that you see her. There was the woman that you met who went on and on about the atrocities of the Dominion. There she is. And after a few moments pass, the two of you, Lacat and Olin, watch as an Orion child runs up to her and she scoops him up and puts, puts this child down on her lap as people start entering the room after a few moments. And she becomes not only in shape and in form, somebody completely different, a completely new person. That's where we have to leave the game tonight. We went way over tonight. We went way over. Taraz snuck it out, managed to get... I, I was so interested. I was, I was going to be so interested what would, how this would play out if you guys were not going to let that Ferengi on that shuttle. Because that could have changed so much. It's so interesting. And it's a really good thing I really like Sprack. Yeah. It's also a really good thing that you are the one who like, or like, I need to be dismissed from this meeting so that like we could come get you so that you could recognize literally the like you were the only person in those spaces. So there we go. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Love that. Um, Join us next week when we mess up a sociopathic changeling. I love it. Can't um, wait. I have to tell y'all, like, of, of, of all the episodes we've had of Clear Skies so far, this one was the darker one. Like, this one was constantly laced with hope and then disappointment. Like, all of a sudden, like, masks being torn off. This was a heavy episode, and y'all did wonderful. I want to just acknowledge that, and thank you guys for taking care of each other. Um, and then next... Yeah, it was really good. Um, thank you all so much for that. And Always next week we'll have money back. Dawn. What's that? Always darkest before dawn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, the reckoning's coming. You guys, you guys did great. You guys did great tonight. Really good game, everybody. Really Sorry, good. Sorry, the get game. reckoning was that? <laughs> <laughs> really good game. Um, as we wrap up, I want to thank everybody who went late with us. I know we went way later than we normally do. Um, thank you so much. And thank you to Q Times for sticking in there with us. Thank y'all um, so much for joining us for tonight's rather intense episode of Clear Skies. I have to imagine that next episode is the final chapter of Farther From Home. Um, we'll see how this plays out. Plot upon plot upon plot. But the final secret has been revealed. So we'll see what happens next. Um, until then, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. Hailing frequencies are closed.